Hey, what's up, everybody? This is V.C. Dupree, Julius from Friday the 13th, Jason Takes Manhattan. And you're listening to the hottest horror radio joint this side of Crystal Lake. Without your head, horror radio. This is Annabelle Lecter. That would make me terrible, Troy. Mm-hmm. Coming up tonight, we have David Hartman, the di- right, well, he's co-writer and director of Phantasm Ravager, the final Phantasm film. Uh, that'll be sometime this evening because he's working on uh, a big project, but he's taking, he's still going to come on the show. So he's, he's a busy man. Yes. yes. Too cool. Yeah. But he does want to join us all on Without Your Head, so yes, just hold yeah. out. Hold out. Put up with us for a couple hours, and <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I believe he's working on a, a um, Transformers animation. Oh, that's oh. Cool. yeah. Transformers animation is where it's at. Because mm, he's an animator. Uh, besides, uh, I believe this was the first movie directed. We'll talk all about that uh, when he comes on the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see here. Uh, this I saw this earlier today. That actually, uh, this is like the press release, and I was really. Uh, excited about this it's inmate number one the rise of danny trejo and now uh, they're making huh. a documentary all about the man danny trejo that's sweet yeah oh that's badass he's an interesting fellow mm-hmm. yep yeah, and it's gonna cover uh you know from his um his uh you know days <laughs> as like uh as, as a as a shady character through, uh yeah <laughs> uh through through his prison life and then uh you know, starting out as a uh, basically an extra in in movies. Yeah, he told us in that interview that someone was just like, "Hey, are you busy? <laughs> yeah, I'm coming this way." Mm-hmm. I always liked when he talked about you know he'd, he'd read the script and it would be like tough Mexican number three, <laughs> inmate number two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hence the name of the, the documentary. So it's perfect. Yep, uh, I love it. So, uh, also a uh, former guest on the show, Eileen Dietz, has a new movie uh, coming out. Today. Oh, yeah? What's that? I know she was doing that documentary before, I believe. Yeah. 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 Uh, this is uh, Lake Alice, a horror movie. It's going to be at uh, Sundance Films. Wow. So Good for her. Sweet. Yeah. And she, uh, she wants to come on the show and talk about it. So, uh, 
That would be great. See when that happens. Maybe Absolutely. next week we'll find out. For people who might not recognize the name, Eileen Dietz is Pazuzu from Exorcist. Or one of a few Pazuzus. She's she's the one who scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very creepy. Yeah, and uh, you know... Uh, not as like a person, but in the movie. <laughs> right, right. And also, you know, uh, she says in the interview, and I believe she goes into more depth in the book, in her book, um, you know, for, for a long time, people, for a long time, she wasn't credited at all, and then it was just credited as the face. But, you know, there's uh, several scenes, and not just her, but other people who uh, who did a lot of the, the the Regan scenes because, you know, they didn't want an actual young uh, actress to do them. And it's, it's uh, you know, especially now when, every, when everyone knows, you know, with IMDb, all the people play different roles. Uh, for all those years to not be credited for such a uh, historic, uh, iconic film, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one thing if you knew what you were getting into, but there's no way. And then after it gets some kind of glory, it's like, well, you know, maybe the mystery is gone. It's not like people really think that there's a demon in this, and there's no reason for them to believe it's just one person. So mm-hmm. what the hell? Yeah, so yeah, so I'm glad though. Uh, you know, eventually she uh, she gets the credit. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. She's uh, she was a really great guest when we had her on the last time. Yeah, she was cool. I like it. Yeah, I hope so, her documentary went well. That sounded really interesting. It wasn't a horror thing. It was about uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it was reporting. I thought you were going to say break out into song. I am way too tired to break out into song. <laughs> Maybe if I get punch drunk tired, uh-huh. then I can go from there. We'll see. Uh-huh. Are we going to do, uh, by the way, speaking of getting drunk, are we going to do Espit or Swallow tonight? <laughs> I hope so. I'm feeling, it was really <laughs> funny because before the show even started, I'm like, I got some wine I wouldn't mind drinking, but <laughs> I don't want to like be crazy for when david comes on the show uh, now it's like two <laughs> hours of waiting i'm like fuck <laughs> yeah i went out to eat uh, today but i didn't get anything to drink well i did get something to drink but nothing alcoholic wow look at you i really don't wow i just pulled out the magical smirnoff blueberry all right Ooh, i've got that right by me ready to Excellent. roll let me find it. So whenever you guys that. are ready, I'm totally ready. Are we just going to slam ready? this I'm one? That <laughs> 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 sounds like we're just going to slam this one. Fucking yeah, blueberry. Well, the freaking sorbet one was amazing. It was. Oh the yeah, passion fruit one. Yeah, I think that was uh, a triple ten. Real quick, before we get to this, I do have a qu- I do have a little story. What? It's a short story. story time. Yeah, your about, stories aren't short, but let's about, let's hear it. About when I went out to eat today. So mm-hmm. I go to this, uh, I have a couple places I go to. I try to walk every day. And uh, I didn't get to walk too much because of the snow the last, uh, the week before, the last couple days. But anyway, uh, so I go to the one place that I go to a lot. It's Captain Scott's. And uh, there's, you know, there's a couple waitresses that work there all the time. And so usually as soon as I sit down, they bring me a Coke. So you're like a regular there, huh? Yeah. They know what you want. Because I ordered right, a cool. Coke. Like the, the other 80-year-olds. The other, I'm, oh, every, I'm definitely the, the only person under 80 that goes there. <laughs> and, uh, the, 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 uh, so the first day I went there, I ordered a Coke. Since then, they just bring me a Coke. But it's like, 
yeah, I like Coke, but, but you know, maybe I would want something else to drink. But whatever, it's fine. And then uh, today, for the first time, she came over with, she didn't even have a menu. She just said, oh, you want the special. And then I was thinking, well, that's cool in a way. But then I was like, man, they just think I'm just like the skin flint. Like, I'm just like super cheap. Like, I just come in. I don't want to see a menu. I just, just give me whatever's the cheapest. <laughs> Is that the case? Is it the special is always the cheapest? Uh, well, they have a six ninety five special every day. Oh, that's right. You're yeah. telling me about that. It's like a three-course meal or something. Well, the three-course meal is not, which I did get one of, uh, another time was the three-course meal. That's a lunch special. But then they have these all-day specials now. They're six ninety five. But she just assumed that's what I wanted. Well. And she was yeah. right. That's what I got. But there you go. it was very good. It was, uh, it was uh, swordfish tips. With a uh, lemon dill sauce over rice pilaf. I mean, they make that it a special for a reason. They want you to buy it. I understand. I understand. But, I mean, it's, I might want something else sometime. Well, that used to happen to us at Burns when we, when, at Bobby Burns, when we kind of became officially regulars there. Mm-hmm. They would already put in our potato skins. And, mm. and it was, it was kind of weird because what if we didn't want potato skins? Yeah. But then, strangely Bobby enough, so we always did. Yeah, <laughs> their potato skins are so good you just can't say no to them. All right, so we have Smirnoff blueberry. Blueberry. For people who don't know Spitter Swallows, a segment here on the show where we drink some booze, and it's basically like uh, Cisco and Ebert, thumbs up, thumbs down, but it's spit or swallow. Only it's better. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Alright, so Ooh, I'm liking the scent already. Hmm. Hmm. It smells very blueberry y. It does. I like the smell I a lot. I do smell vodka too. Hmm. Is this one artificially or naturally? It smells flavored? like a natural blueberry, but maybe they just perfected the scent. It's true. Faking the sound. Alright, you ready? Yep, yep. Yeah. Here we go. Eh. Wow, it's, it's uh, very strong. It's Whoa, it is potent. <laughs> You're not kidding. Actually, I don't even get the blueberry taste when you t- <laughs> just get like... Uh, just, just the scent. Yeah, yeah, I'm not getting it. I just get like, uh, it dumbs my tongue. <laughs> they kind of a weird aftertaste. It's no mango passion fruit. No. Fuck no. I'm not a fan. I mean, it's okay. I taste the blueberry, but it's just, I don't know. It's kind of that weird, almost like booberry blueberry. <laughs> I do like blueberry, but... I, like I blueberry. love blueberry, but it's got that <laughs> yeah. bizarre, like, not really blueberry uh, taste to it. Yeah, it's was, definitely not really I was at the dollar store, by the way, yesterday, or I think it was yesterday, whatever, the other day. And uh, for people out there who love uh, blueberry and frankenberry... They didn't have Count Chocula, but at the Dollar Tree, they they just had like a whole aisle full of uh, Frankenberry and Blueberry. Wow. So. Oh, you didn't tell me that then. <laughs> well, you were out in the car. Very I sad. Uh-huh. I know. You should have grabbed me some Blueberry, fella. I yeah. I like Frankenberry. I like them all. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. I, I could have got some for us to eat too on, on, on like a video. But. You also could have bought some for your brother Troy. Mm-hmm. To just enjoy in his home. Yeah, Thoughtless. Then, then no one sees it. So uh, he take a picture of himself holding it with thumbs up. That's true. You know I would. 
my yeah. giant mixing bowl full of it. I'm not a fan of this. Then don't drink it, man. Yeah, I'm going with a. I'm going with a three. Wow. I think I'm gonna mix the rest of mine with my Coke. Yeah, that might be better. Yeah, I'm gonna mix it with something. I'm not really sure where to go yet. But all I have. I, I don't here really is, know if I want to rate it until I figure out what I'm. I've gonna got do. some hot tea and a big oh. bottle of uh, green apple Gatorade. I don't know if it goes with it. Oh, no wonder you're having a rough time. Oh, green apple Gatorade's great. Not with it. I know. I didn't mix it with it. I'm just saying. I don't think I can mix it with anything I have here. I mean, maybe blueberries and green apples would be nice. Could happen, I guess. We'll try it out. What do I have to lose? Oh, it's good with the Coke. It, like, smooths it out, and you get that. That's so weird. You get, like, a more blueberry flavor when it's mixed with something. I think maybe just because it's such a strong alcohol to start with. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a higher um, alcohol content than our last one. I don't think so, but I don't even see it listed on this. Let me get some. I'll be. I'll be right back. I have to get. Um, What's 70, the proof on this? Seventy proof. Oh, okay. No, I guess it's not. But it just was a very strong alcohol yeah. taste. Not a big fan. No, I'm gonna mixed. It's better, but still, I'm going with a five. All right, fair enough. Middle of the road. Yeah, kind of a fail, but yeah, not not an epic fail like some of them. Uh-huh. But not something that I'd seek out. I get you. I get you. You know, I drink it in a pinch. Mm-hmm. And mixed with something, it wasn't half bad. But by itself, it was pretty harsh. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm doing. I'm gonna make something happen here. I can't. I can't let this get me down tonight. See, my chemistry, my drinking chemistry, sit next to me. Well, just got the doctor dreadful out. That's what we need to make is like a, an alcoholic Dr. Dreadful slab. <laughs> this is Betsy Palmer, and I'm not sorry that I lost my head. It's been worth every moment of it. All right, we're back here once again. Uh, I guess we could give our names again. This is Nasty Neal. This is Annabelle Lecter. And I'm still terrible, Troy. Excellent. And on the <laughs> line with us here on this station of decapitation without your head, we have David Hartman. The director of Phantom Ravager. Hey. Hey. Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing? Doing okay, you know, considering, uh, uh, like, I think I told you I was, I'm stuck in uh, traffic on the car, so if you uh, guys can't hear me or whatever, just yell at me, and I'll, I'll call back from a better number. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, Phantom Ravager, uh, how, did you, how did you even get involved in it? Uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I met Don Costarelli, uh, sir. Um, I was working at Sony, uh, television doing some animated series and it just so happened a editor friend of mine had another editor friend who was working with Don Costarelli and I had an opportunity to pitch an idea for a main title for Bubba Hotep. Nice. Um, so, I, you know, I got to meet Don through Bubba, and Don was like, hey, 
you do some effect stuff. Uh, can you do wire removal? And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I can do wire removal. Um, and then I went home and Googled how to do wire removal. <laughs> no, I That's good because no I've clue. never even heard of such a thing. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but, uh, you know, from there I became uh, good friends with Don and uh, helped him uh, on other projects. And uh, we wrote a script together uh, for this movie we wanted to make called Escape from Freak Mansion. And it would be a thing for me to direct and... Um, but Don wanted me to get my reel uh, pumped up a little more. Um, so I came up with this idea like, hey, why don't we go out some weekend and just shoot a short film? Um, I was At the time, I was just like shooting a short film every weekend and sending it to Don. And I was doing this for years. And uh, I was like, why don't we do one for Phantasm? You can make it an Easter egg on a DVD or something. And he's like, sure, let's go do it. So I wrote up a scene, which... Um, ended up being in the movie, which was the scene of Reggie um, meeting Don and at the cabin, and uh, you know the whole uh, falling asleep and playing her a song and stuff, mm-hmm. um, all the way up until where she gets killed. Um, and you know, I wrote the scene, and I was always planning for Don to direct. I just wanted to help out and watch the master, and. Um, you know, right before we're uh, getting ready to shoot, he's like, oh, by the way, you're directing this thing. Uh, so he, he just kind of threw me in, but, you know, it was still this short film, so there wasn't a lot of pressure and it was a lot of fun. So we did one and, you know, Don was like, wow, that came out really cool. Why don't we do another and then another and then another. Um, then, you know, we took some time off. I, Don uh, went to do John Dies at the End. And I went to go do the show Transformers Prime. And, uh, you know, we came back and was like, what are we going to do with all this footage? And Don's like, we're doing part five. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is going to be great, Don. You're doing part five. He's like, no, you're doing it. You're directing and you're already a third done. <laughs> so, um, you know, so really I kind of got uh, thrown into it and didn't know I was directing, you know, until after a lot of the work was done. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, you know, pretty cool and probably the best way to do it. Cause if he told me outright, I would have been, uh, freaking scared to death and going crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so sorry, that's a long story, no, but story, you know, that's uh, no, the, cool. <laughs> basically it's how we got thrown in. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's, it sounds like you really lucked out. Like you were saying that way that you kind of ended up into it. You seemed hesitant on I mean, me. I could just do a short, just direct a short. So that's great. Yeah, and then that actually was that cabin scene. So that was the first thing shot on that the movie. And, you know, I really, I'm a total fan of this series. You know, I grew up with this. I've told this story, but I still remember Fingoria issue number two. And it had John Frankenheimer's Prophecy Bear on the cover. Oh, hell and yeah, I, would just, I have that copy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I got that when I was like seven years old. I saw it at the bookstore. I begged my mom. My mom's like, I'm not sure about this. I'm like, please, mom. I love monsters. Get this for me. So, I mean, giving this thing to a seven or eight year old, you know, but I would take this, sneak this thing into school. Like it was a dirty magazine. I kept it in my backpack. And, you know, I still have this issue. It's totally trash, but it had a picture of the tall man's yellow bloody finger and um 
Michael Baldwin floating in front of the red background. Mm -hmm. I would just stare at this thing forever. And, uh, you know, it had a huge impact on me, this film. So, you know, getting really weird because it's just until now that I've actually been getting to sit back and go, holy crap, I made a phantasm film. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's been nonstop work. But, it, <laughs> but, you know, as a kid, I've always been a fan of this series. So, you know, just getting this opportunity, I totally feel like, you know, the, the kid that got the golden ticket and I get to go see the chocolate factory now, you know, it's, um, it's totally a fanboy dream come true. So, mm -hmm. And then getting to work with everybody, you know, getting to bring all the original cast back and these people yeah. you, you know, looked up to uh, ever since you were a small kid. It's were, a pretty amazing feeling. Yeah. Were, were they all like, uh, were they all cool with you, you know, when you first meet them? Because, you know, uh, they've all done all the, these movies for, for decades. And then uh, here's someone new coming in to direct the, the fifth one. Well, yeah. I mean, it, for me, I was scared to death uh -huh. of that. You know, it was really daunting. Here's all these guys with 30 years of in-jokes, and I'm the new guy that's just kind of sitting there putting on a smile trying to keep up. And, um, you know, I was absolutely afraid that uh, they wouldn't accept me. But honestly, every single person was like, just took me with open arms, you know. It's like I, I would show them a lot of my short films and stuff so they can um, trust that I, you know, had some idea of what I was doing, you know, and, and luckily I had several projects, although most of them animated, but I, you know, had a lot of these uh, short films and then Don's blessing, you know? Um, so, so yeah, it, Reggie was the first, uh, person brought on board and, um, probably the biggest one, you know, for me, and I would think most people would, was Angus Grimm, mm -hmm. you know, is Angus, uh, going to be open to this, you know, and, um, you know, that was a pretty amazing, uh, time. Just another little story was I went to, um, I think it was a cheesecake factory with Don and he brought Angus and it was the first time, um, Angus had read, you know, the lines I wrote for him. And, you know, the idea was for him to give me notes, you know, and I'm just sitting here, you know, eating a, a salad watching the tall man uh, tell me what he thought of it. And honestly, he was just like, this is what the tall man would say. He's like, uh, he was totally excited. You know, probably more, the tall man got to say more in this movie than uh, the other four combined, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, he, he was pretty ecstatic. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's getting to meet these guys and to now able to call them friends and I still stay in touch with uh, you know everybody in the cast uh, uh, it's a pretty amazing feeling and again uh, I'm very grateful to, to them and Don for this opportunity um, and then to have them actually uh, come up and tell me how much they actually love the movie uh, and uh, you know that, that means a lot as well that's great <clears throat> What do you think it was about Phantasm that uh, that stuck with you, you know, as a kid? And uh, anything about Phantasm uh, interests you differently as you got older? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it was being, you know, this kid, by the time I actually saw the first Phantasm, I was probably 
around Michael Baldwin's age in the movie. You know, I was probably around 13 or something. Uh, I got it from a video store from one of those, you know, awesome video store guys that rented rated our movies to underage kids. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I was able to, to get the movie, and it was really the whole dealing with death aspect and, you know, the, the kids' parents are gone, so, you know, what we've all considered our safety nets or our protectors as a kid was gone, and nobody believed them. It, it just seemed like this completely uh, impossible situation. And, you know, to, to the second part of your question is, it's like, I feel like I've grown up with this series, you know, like with part two, I was getting more into action films, and part three, you know, we start getting a little more uh, into the esoteric, and then part four, we get really, you know, kind of deep into it, and, you know, but one thing that always stuck with me on the first film was the innocence, you know, mm-hmm. by part two, everyone's kind of a badass, and uh, they've seen a lot of, um, you know, dark stuff, but that first film, there was that innocence, and that's something we tried to do with Ravager, was, you know, we thought about it and you know, the whole thing about Alzheimer's it, it kind of brought it full circle for us and that you know and with dementia that it brought an innocence back uh, to Reggie's character um, you know and for me that was a big part of the first film and something I wanted to try and bring into the Ravager hopefully it worked <laughs> it, that was something uh, that's, that's uh, stuck uh, with me was uh, the, the Reggie character in uh, in, in Ravager because uh, you know my grandmother's uh, in in her nineties and actually the last year or so she's starting to uh, see things that aren't actually there and this, it was interesting to see that in the movie and how you kind of play with that like uh, maybe there you know for us we think they're seeing something that isn't there but maybe there is something you know that they're seeing but in another you know, another uh, parallel universe, whatever. Uh, is there is there anything that's um, personal to you about that in the story? Was there, you know... Well, yeah. I mean, I we've all had, probably know some family member or know someone that has a family member that's gone through that. And again, that's where it brings that innocence, you know. And I remember um, when I was in college, my wife's uh, grandmother was uh, had Alzheimer's and you know, one of the first times I, uh, you know, met my wife, uh, her her uh, grandmother kept calling me Bob and was thinking I was somebody from her, her past. Um, and that, that kind of struck me, you know, what if what they're seeing is what they're actually seeing, you know, and, and their mind is someplace else. And, um, you know, when I talked with with, with Don. It just seemed like a perfect fit into the uh, the world of phantasm and, and kind of echo the first film a little bit um, with that. I don't know. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. You know, you've seen you can see stuff like that in other films, but I really thought it worked so well. It didn't feel like gimmicky or used at all. It was it like you hit on the innocence part, and you just get so into his experience and it's kind of screwing with you as people who've seen these phantasm movies before but sometimes people would say something like that could be like an easy way to balance two stories but i thought it was really sincere and and it came off so well no thank you thank you i mean it did mean a lot to us and and, you know we took a a risk this 
you know, Ravager doesn't exactly actually follow a, a three-part structure. Um, you know, we kind of jump around the, the different times, and, you know, the whole point was to keep the audience uh, as disoriented as your main character. If, if they knew what was going on, you couldn't relate. For me, I don't think you could relate to the to Reggie as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, so, so it, that means a lot to hear because, you know, it could be considered a, a jumbled mess or it could be um, something deeper, which is what we were actually hoping for and what we were striving for. Mm-hmm. Really- I could, like, go on and on with praise because, frankly, when I saw it, I was like, as soon as... And I don't... I, these guys know and people that see the reviews know I don't get into a ton of movies, but really... From the beginning to the end, I loved this movie. I really did. Oh, and, like, you. I'm not always into, like, action-y stuff or things like that, but it really felt like, you, like I said, you could feel, like, a sincerity to it, and it was so action-y, and it made me think, because I used to game when I was a kid. I don't know if you played role-playing games or stuff like that with people, but I did. <laughs> I'm like, this is a freaking adventure. People got like cool car and a trunk full of weapons, and there's this crazy guy out there, and the things are happening. And it was just exciting. And when uh, we're just going you. through this stuff, you're like, "Man, this sucks. What's going on?" And I, I loved it. I absolutely love this movie. Well, I mean, it really was a labor of love. Like I said, I'm a fan. I mean, Dawn is the biggest fan of Phantasm there is. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's like putting all this stuff together uh, it's just been fully unreal but that means a lot to hear because you know because this thing was basically a no budget film you know we made this thing for I mean an incredibly low amount of money and you know a lot of people say it's obvious uh, you know but you know at the the same time it forces you to be creative again everyone involved really believed in this project all the, the actors you know, like I said, Angus Grimm was uh, a real champion of the film. So, um, yeah, that means a lot to hear. It really does. Because you work in a bubble, you know, out yeah. here. And, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, it hasn't been until actually getting to take the film to conventions and, and getting to meet other fans and like-minded people that all of a sudden it, it, it suddenly hit me how real this is and... and, and you know how important this film was for me for how many years we spent on it um, my daughter I think was you know uh, like five four or five when I started this film she's in high school now so oh, wow uh, you know she grew up and, and she played uh, you know some of the dwarves so she's the smallest <laughs> person awesome. too and Don Don did that with his kids so I was like I gotta get I gotta get my kid in there so put on this robe and uh <laughs> So that was a lot of fun. I have to say though, and early on, I don't want to. For people who haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin the scene because it's it's really was very intense. But there's a scene with Angus that is not predictable. You don't expect it's going to happen. It was very hard to watch because we um we were in Seattle and did an interview with him in person. It is really probably the interview I enjoyed and took the most away from him because yeah, he's yeah, so bittersweet thing. Ah, uh, he is so yeah, lovely. I mean, he's such a gentleman and a thespian and you know, there's 
something very regal about Angus when you're even just talking one-on-one. But, mm-hmm. but the scene you're talking about was actually the last scene we shot with him. Oh. Um, you were know, you guys we, all crying? Because... I mean, for me, he, he you know, there's the part where he raises his eyebrow and goes, he reveals the tall man, you know? Yes. And, like when we were filming that, I remember like yelling cut and then like looking at all the crew going, holy shit, I got chills. Do you guys have chills? Uh, like everybody just hearing uh, his voice and stuff. But, but, you know, just another anecdotal story. I, um, we knew he was sick uh, at the time and then we kind of wrote that scene to work uh, for Angus to give him something else but where he doesn't have to... Um, exert a lot and you know I wanted to uh, make sure Angus got to see this film like I would not be able to live with myself knowing that Angus never got to see the film Um, so one day I I picked him up uh, from his house and uh, we went to a screening room um, and I believe it was me, Don Angus and uh, Reggie and his wife, Gigi, um, so I could screen the film for Angus. And, uh, and I've told the story before, but I love it because it's one of my, my greatest or fondest uh, memories with Angus was that uh, I picked him up at his house, uh, and it, it totally felt for me like the scene out of uh, Tim Burton's Ed Wood, you know, where Johnny Depp goes to pick up Mark Landau as Legosi, and, yeah. you know, there's... There was something just like, here's this idol of mine ever since I was a little kid, and I'm getting to pick him up at his house and pick him to go see my movie that he's in. And I remember Angus looked at me like, you know, David, who's going to drive me home after the movie? And I was like, well, Angus, you know, if you love the movie, I'll drive you home. If you hate the movie, Don's going to drive you home because <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to, to uh, handle that. <laughs> I was like, it, it would tear me apart. So so we watched the movie and, you know, Angus is just sitting there straight face the whole time. And I keep I'm sitting, you know, in the very back of the theater just so I can watch him. And, you know, I'm just like got my fists, I'm white-knuckling it, I'm scared to death, <laughs> you know, he, there's no reaction, there's no smile, there's there's nothing, and I'm just like, oh my god, he's just making his way through it, and, but after the movie, he comes up and, you know, grabs me by the hand, and, and is just, you know, David, you are taking me home, and, oh, like, you know, I just basically almost cheered up, you know, and and even now watching these scenes with him uh, are, are very emotional and almost hard to watch, and, you know, after uh, what happened. And um, I got um, really sick myself and uh, I got contracted one of these super bugs you hear about, you oh. know, where uh, like antibiotics don't work against it and all that. And this thing oh. tore me apart. And I, I was in the hospital off and on for like seven months and wow. uh, Angus passed when I was in the hospital and I'm all, you know, shot up with painkillers and drugged up and I get this phone call from Don telling me that Angus just died and I mean, it was just uh, a surreal and horrible, horrible moment, but um, 
you know, now in, in hindsight, I can I take some peace in it, knowing that he saw the movie, he loved it, and you know, I really wish he was here to enjoy this part of it. But that that was his favorite part was meeting all the fans and getting to talk with people, and, and he absolutely loved that. Yeah, he loved performing, and it, uh, you know, so it's it's really sad that he's not here to get to enjoy this aspect of, of the filmmaking. And like you mentioned, he it, he had more time speaking than he had in probably everything combined. And that and it was all wonderful. But that one scene, it was I remember when we interviewed him and he said he when he was a kid and he wanted to act, he he looked to actors like Clark Gable and that's what he wanted to do. And he ended up as a tall man and he loved it and he was very, very happy with it. But I thought this is like his time to have that, to have this really emotional moment in that film where it's there's it's just it's obviously that that part is not the regular tall man and even the tall man himself gets a lot more emotional investment i think than he oh would. yeah absolutely absolutely i mean we've never there's the part in the white room area you know where he kind of loses it with reggie a little we've never actually seen the tall man uh, show emotion or or even a lack of control of anything uh, before so you know that was a you know a lot different I, I you know and angus was really uh, excited about that and I, I remember we had um before we filmed these scenes uh we decided to film that white room um was actually filmed at my house hmm. in my kitchen um where i was going to rent this big sound stage and um you know, where all the walls are painted white and we were going to do it there. But then it was such an emotional scene. And I just didn't want Reggie and Angus to be sitting there miserable, just, you know, sitting in fold out chairs, uh, waiting for their, their scenes. And, and, you know, where they can't wait to get, uh, get back home. Um, so I decided to just strip out my kitchen and put up all these white walls, basically in white paper um, and shot it all in there so Angus and Reggie can just, you know, sit on the couch and they can relax and practice their lines and everything. And, you know, being able to do this scene and seeing, uh, having the, I mean, the tall man was on my couch, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sitting next to Reggie and the two are, are reading the lines of, of that white room scene. And I mean, it was such a surreal uh, moment. Um, but you know, it was that, that moment where I'm like, I'm, I was so excited that we did give him these emotional scenes and we did give him uh, a little more to chew on, uh, than we've seen in the other films than just being, you know, the boogeyman, you know, yeah. we, we got a little bit more of his agenda Yeah. Uh, not that phantasm ever gives you complete answers to anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really liked the line during that scene where he said that, uh, that Reggie was his bad dream. Yeah, yeah, I did too. That was one of those those things where Don and I like, oh, that's cool when we put it on paper. But then when Angus took it and owned it and made it his own, we were like, holy cow, that's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but that's because Angus said it. You <laughs> actually said in the commentary that uh, when when they were uh, re- reading that scene together, that like they uh, 
they had some like, words with each other, like uh, I guess about uh, what what each each of the other characters was going to say. Like, uh, what were they arguing about? Um, it, it wasn't as much an argument as uh, different styles of acting, you know. And every actor has a, a different way. And it, and Angus is, uh, you know, he's a very classically trained actor. You know, uh, he was given the script and he loved it, and he had his chance to. Uh, change words if you know when we go to to lunch and, and talk it over. Um, but that was the script, and he was locked in, and you know he got it memorized and ready to go. Well, Reggie, um, you know he he likes to play off the scene a little bit, you know, and and can improvise uh, a little. And, and there's nothing wrong with either way. It was just they work different ways. So, you know, I think uh, the only dispute was that. Uh, Reggie might change a word here or there and Angus wasn't ready for it. <laughs> so, you know, for me, that, that was a, you know, a challenge as a director. How do you find that middle ground, uh, for everybody? Uh, and the answer to that is, uh, film it as written once together and then let them both have their moments on singles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, film, film Angus his way and then let Reggie uh, do lines as written, but then, you know, have some fun with it because you never know what, what's going to come out. Uh, you know, it, it's not just one person's mind. It, it's how everybody works together. And no one knows these characters better than the actors who've played them for 30 years. It's true. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I would say each of them has a lot of their character in, in them, you know. But you see, with their characters has a lot to uh, their own personalities and and stuff. So it's, um, yeah. So if that answers your question, that's that's what uh, the squabble was, and that was probably the biggest squabble we've ever had on the set. Like, it, uh, honestly, like everything went so smooth, uh, you know, with the filming and the acting. Um, I can't think of any times where uh, things uh, went south. I mean, of course, things break and things change all the time and you have to roll with the punches and stuff. But as far as personalities go, everyone got along great. and It truly is one big happy family. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a few times about uh, having a a small budget. How how do you pull off some of the things like uh, showing like uh, kind of the end of the world and the the red planet? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a good question because it's tough and I'm Honestly, uh, I work in animation, I work with CG stuff, but I wanted to do this whole film practically at the beginning. Uh, but then you realize, uh, yeah, you don't have money for that, and that's a lot more expensive uh, than CG anymore. Um, you know, really, when Don and I were writing these, the script and these scenes, and the good thing was, is as we were filming these shorts and we were going into the, the movie you know, we could learn a little bit more what we were capable of or what we wanted to strive for. So when we're writing these scenes, it was, it was more like, you know, let's, let's just not dumb things down or write to the budget. Mm -hmm. Like, let's honestly tell a story we want to tell. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll wrap my head around a way to do it. I, I love being painted into a corner. I love, finding an answer to a, a problem. You know, I'm one of these weirdos that sits there and does the, the crossword in the news, you know, morning newspaper. I, there's something about getting a puzzle and then trying to figure it out that's intriguing. And 
um, I feel like there's a solution to everything. It might not always be the best solution, um, but there's always a solution to a problem. And, and one of those things was like, you know, we want to show more of the red planet. And originally I went to the original location, Don filmed the, uh, you know, in Phantasm one and with all the rocks and, and stuff. And it's like, you know, we could film here and then, you know, it got bigger and bigger. And it's like, then it was going to be a map painting, you know, like, like, um, the scene where we go down the city street and it's, it's, you know, hell on earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that was originally just going to be a map painting. Reggie opens the door, sees a map painting. And that was the end of the scene, you know, and I started working out the map painting and, and, um, you know, I was telling Don, it's like, you know, Don, let's just put this on the back burner for now. I have an idea, but I, I want to just try building a CG set and see what would happen. I've never done it before, but it's like, let's just, let's just try it, you know? And it's, it's not Pixar and it's not digital domain or ILM, you know, but it is, it's just one guy and his laptop, you know, uh, that's basically how I had to do it. And that shot took me almost two months because I am doing it on my laptop and I can't freaking render like it would take, you know, 20 minutes to render one frame. And then you get like, you know, three seconds in and you realize you screwed something up or you forgot <laughs> to uh, turn on some, you know, virtual lights or something and right. you'd have to start all over. Um, so it, it took forever, but we, we treated that and the red planet with that, like let's film it on green screen and let's just go for it. And, you know, we'll find the best solution when we get there. Mm -hmm. And if we, you know, if the solution is, is terrible and hokey, we'll reshoot. Um, you know, at a, at a location or on a soundstage and we'll, we'll pony up, you know, our personal money or, or whatever to get this thing done. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, thankfully, you know, for the most part, I'm really proud of, uh, how that came out and, um, those scenes and we got to do, you know, some scenes on the red planet, which Don always wanted to see. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, it was, it was all just, uh, you know, creatively just writing what you want to see, what you wish you could see. Um, if this thing had 50 million bucks and then how can you do it for, you know, a, a, a fraction of a fraction of that? Mm. <laughs> I got to say, um, that I'm so glad you guys decided to do that because for me, like you said, people saw and they said it's obvious, but when I watch Jaws, that is clearly not a real shark. You can see hinge, you see it. It's there. But Absolutely. The That's the films so we grew up great. with. <laughs> yeah. And the story is so great. You're just like, and your mind just pushes that away. And that's how I feel about this movie. Yeah, there's some stuff that, I mean, you know, it's not real, but whatever. It, the story is so good that that just doesn't, any of those little things just don't even matter. You get, well, you're in the story. I also think well, it's a I mean, phantasm that it's a strange world anyway, and some of it's in your mind and stuff. So you kind of have uh, some things that are just bizarre, like what works for it, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, it works perfect for phantasm. And that's what Don and I kept telling ourselves. <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, it's like you're saying, it's, it's those are the films we, we grew up with. And uh, I mean, I... I tend to watch uh, nowadays, I tend to watch a lot of older movies more than, than yeah. modern movies uh, just because I, I like to be able to see the creativity. I mean, that's part of the charm 
for me uh, on a lot of these films is, is the passion that goes in to wanting to tell the story, you know, and that uh, everyone giving it their all. Um, you know, I just, I love that. And, and that was, again, something we tried to do with this film. And, uh, you know, and Don never announced this film uh, at all. You know, it just, we just kind of announced it one day and then threw a trailer out the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, that was something that Don and I talked about. Like, those are like how we saw movies, as, you know, when I was a kid. I, I never knew, you know, aliens or right. was coming out, you know, but one day there's a trailer out of nowhere. You know, there wasn't like months and months of prepping and talking about the casting and, and all that stuff. I, you know, for me, that kills a lot of the magic. Yeah, yeah. like press releases uh, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I actually try to stay away from watching any of that kind of stuff on online or anything just because I, I still like to be surprised, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, Plus, I the nice the people that are listening to us do do our press interaction with you. <laughs> no, it's really, <laughs> it's, it's so freaking I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't even seen all of the Phantasm movies. You don't even have right. to see all of them. You can, well, you know, you. I mean, you see the first couple, you know the basic story, you know who these people are. You start the movie and you and it is just totally enjoyable. Oh, thank you. Because I mean, it it truly is basically a glorified fan film. It, it's made for the fans. I am a fan. You know, one thing Don and I again talked about, you know, when structuring this thing is like you easily. It's been what 15, 17 years since wow. part four. Mm-hmm. You e- easily could spend a good thirty to forty minutes just do an exposition of everything that's happened before and how it ties together. And, yep. you know, I, we were just like, you know, forget that. We'll, we'll spend a minute with Reggie kind of talking briefly about the tall man, but yep. for the most part, it, it just picks up almost where part four left off basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I love that about the film. I, you know, part of me was always like, you know, if someone goes in and doesn't get it, hopefully it's it's intriguing enough that it makes them want to go back and watch the other films. Yeah. It does. Um, Honestly, it, that is what happened because I'm like, this is movies. And I love that you have the intro and Reggie's doing the voiceover for it. It's so super. And I just feel silly because I don't usually get super excited about movies, but it just was such an awesome adventure. And you're in there. You feel for the people. Uh, and it, it really does make me want to go and watch the few that I didn't watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who's, who's seen all the Phantasm and grew up with the original Phantasm as one of my favorite movies. And uh, I thought it was a great, uh, you know, ending to uh, to the to the series, to the franchise. And it was really cool how it, you know, uh, it has the throwbacks to all the, all the different uh, uh, Phantasm movies. You know, you see some, you know, some characters, you know, the main characters, but then you see, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. pop in. And, uh, and I also thought it was cool how you... You do see some of the older uh, movies, even uh, back to the first movie, and that helps in the whole kind of like there is no linear time here. It's kind of back and forth between times and and between realities. And absolutely, no, absolutely. And I mean, there's even just some hidden things in there, like the blanket that Dawn puts on Reggie in the Aww. cabin when he falls asleep. That's the actual blanket from Part One. Oh wow! That. Um, that Reggie puts on Mike in front of the fireplace, you know, uh, that's awesome. Find out Jody died. (laughs) Yeah. 
And then, like, and stupid things, like uh, the trunk, when all the weapons, if you look, there's a toilet plunger in there. There's a little <laughs> throwback to part three when they see the toilet plunger. So there's, like, a little, um, just little Easter eggs hidden throughout, you know, where Don had these props. And it's like, you know, yeah, let's throw that in the background, you know? And, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, the CUDA itself, uh, yeah. you know, that's the uh, part two CUDA and... Uh, um, my wife is the one that made it the the battle CUDA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, I got to keep that thing in my garage for months. <laughs> We've worked on it, and I would uh-huh. just go out and sit in that thing every now and then, going, "Holy cow, I'm in the CUDA! And it's in my gar- It's leaking oil all over my garage." Awesome. I love that oil. <laughs> I will never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. It's the stains are still there. <laughs> That that's a pretty badass scene too, the chase scene with the sphere and the and the CUDA. That's... Uh, I, I love that. We we knocked that thing out in one afternoon. That was wow. one of these things where we only had one chance to do it. Had to do like sixty to seventy camera setups and it was just me, Don, Reggie, his wife, and our stunt driver Bob Ivy. And it was just the five of us out in the middle of the freaking desert. We were like forty minutes away from any restrooms or food or or anything it was just uh you know just go out there and do it and i'm an idiot i didn't bring sunscreen or anything it was like <laughs> 100 and some degrees and like 30 40 mile per hour winds blowing sand at you you wow. get sand blasted and yeah I, I learned my lesson but um you know that was one of those scenes oh and here's a here's a little story for you i don't know if we said in the commentary or not but um the last shot we were doing with the CUDA was that reverse peel out. There's a part where Reggie throws the car in reverse to get away from the sphere. Yeah. And I remember telling Bob Ivy like, Hey, you know, can we actually um, peel this thing out in reverse? Have you tried that? And like, ah, oh, no, let's try it. So we're filming it. And as we're filming, all of a sudden we blow the transmission on the CUDA. You just hear the you just hear the whole engine go chuk, 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 chuk. It's like and again we're like forty five minutes away from civilization and we're like this car in the middle of the road is dead. We're like, okay, let's move this car. It's like a hundred degrees out. This is American, you know, made yeah, steel. steel. Like yeah. a freaking hot car. Uh you know, and it weighs, uh, you know, thousands of pounds, and we're trying to push this thing to the side of the road. And then it's like a good, you know, three hours before any kind of tow truck can make it all the way out there. Um, yeah, so that that pretty much called the end of our shooting day uh, was when we destroyed Don's car. <laughs> it's it's yeah. been since been fixed. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you're the person asked about this, but... Do you know what uh what Reggie's uh, wife Gigi thinks of uh of uh, Reggie always being kind of a horn dog in uh in the Phantasm <laughs> movies? <laughs> well, I think I mean the good thing is that Reggie was already the character Reggie <laughs> right, right. Uh, doing that character when they met, uh-huh. so she at least knew going in that he he had this 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 thing, um you know, and we thought it would be funny to play on that to not hide the age either that you know he he's trying to get this girl and then uh <laughs> yeah. you know he's gonna write a song for her and she's not impressed and then he, he he's finally like... gonna get some action but he, he's so old he falls asleep you know <laughs> uh you know we, we 
we thought that was a lot of a lot of fun. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm sure she's she's dealt with that. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> did he actually write the the song in the movie? Yeah, yeah, I I wrote a generic version of what I wanted him to uh, to do, and then um, I gave it to Reg, and Reg was like, you know. We got to blow these lyrics out. We got to build this up a little more. <laughs> He's like, uh, I'm not playing yeah, that. So <laughs> yeah, so he he totally uh, totally uh, rewrote it, made it made it great. I mean, what do you say? Like a, a brand new, like a like brand new dawn or brand new morning. <laughs> it's just like uh, totally hilarious. But uh, yeah, no, and and the. He's playing it live in the uh, in the movie too. We didn't re-record or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we didn't have that kind of money, so <laughs> yeah. you know he plays it live uh, in the film, which is is great. Yeah, it's uh, actually funny. The the first person I ever did a video interview with was Reggie Bannister uh, in 2011 at a convention, and he just started playing the guitar on the uh, on the interview. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Like him and uh, Bill Thornberry, both, you know, fantastic guitar players. And uh, they both do that. And they bring guitars to the set, you know, and off, uh, you know, in between, um, you know, shots and stuff, their their scenes, uh, there's always a song going on. And Michael Baldwin uh, is a fantastic whistler, you know, and really? a lot of people think that's funny, but I, I mean, this guy is freaking amazing. Yeah. So with his, his whistling, it's, it's it's something haunting about it. So you get those three together, and they're just like, you know, they got a band going, um, you know, where we usually have to tell them, shut up, we're filming. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Did you ever run a... Go on, sorry. I was just going to say real quick because of music. The music is great, too. Oh, I, I you know, this score, uh, we spent a long time with it, but um, Chris Stone, he was... He did the um, score for the previous films, and but you know the first film was uh, Malcolm C. Grieve and Fred Myro, and um, Chris worked with them. But he also did like the voices for uh, uh, the dwarves and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so part of the thing was getting all this this cast back. You know, Don's like, hey, you know, I know you know a bunch of composers and, and stuff, but. Um, what would you think of working with Chris Stone? It was like, uh, that was a given. And, you know, Chris, um, I mean, for me, this whole, again, this whole story of not using a, a three act structure, you know, or, or just being a little nonlinear, um, in our storytelling, you know, it was very, uh, to me, it was very important that the music, ties some of these nonlinear elements together into a linear fashion. Uh, to me, a score is, is, it's, it's just as important as one of the actors, you know, it is another actor and helps you, uh, tell the story. So, I mean, Chris just totally knocked it out of the park, you know, and I would go over, we'd go over like, uh, you know, every week, um, like every weekend I would just go over to Chris's house and he'd play what new stuff he has. And we would just talk about the uh, emotion of the scenes and, and what the idea of the scenes were. And then Chris would just disappear. And like within a week, he's like, 
hey, I got this idea. And he would come over and be like, it'd be like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, Chris, Chris can play for me. I just, you know, <laughs> might, might mean a little more hearing the, the instruments. And um, I mean, a fantastic guy. So thank you for, for noticing that. Because I've been a fan of that Phantasm theme song, you know, and as a little kid, you know, I remember my mom got me from a garage sale a little, you know, cheapo Casio keyboard. And the first two songs I taught myself to play was Halloween, the Halloween theme and the Phantasm theme. Awesome. <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it was like being able to do that and, and, and make it this big epic score with these epic choirs and, mm-hmm. and, and, things it was just something i've always wanted to hear with that phantasm score and, and chris really brought it and uh i mean he, to me that really tied a lot of the elements i had or issues i had with the the nonlinear edit um he, he solved a lot of those issues for me and, and brought the whole thing together it's pretty wild it would be really fascinating to see it without it in it to see what kind yeah. of difference, different feeling it would be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's different feelings um, to the music itself, you know, like when Reggie wakes up and he, he's in this other world, you know, the, the camera look changes a little bit and the music, you know, changes a little bit and, you know, it's epic, but it also has a little bit more uh, sense stuff in it than we you know, we've heard before. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, he really brought another element to this thing. Um, that, that just made it really big. And, and he also did a lot of the dwarf sounds and a lot of sound design for us as well. Mm-hmm. This, this isn't so much a, a question, but, uh, when I was thinking about this, uh, I think phantasm, one of the rare, uh, horror movie franchises where it's not just built around the villain, like the hero, is throughout the whole throughout the whole franchise. I mean, pretty much all besides yeah. like Evil Dead and maybe like Alien to a certain extent. You know, it's just really about the villain in right. the other ones. But the, and so well, it's nice. Well, to Don and I all go on. I was gonna say uh, Don and I always. You know, we talked about that aspect. You know, because I I was telling Don for me, Phantasm was like a serial. You know, it's like a pulp. Uh, film it was like this great like you know amazing stories or weird tales like this you know as though it was a, a story that with each chapter you're getting more and more information and it totally was an opera uh and and that was just uh you know something we uh, loved about the franchise and it, for me it phantasm's always been a character driven um story it has a lot of plot mm-hmm. but it doesn't get too, uh, I guess, overly heavy into the plot. You know, a lot of things are left uh, mysterious because it's really about these characters. And when we were first developing these things as these shorts, um, originally I called it Reggie's um, Two-Fisted Tales, and it was just going to be, you know, Reggie's adventures and, and fighting, you know, Spears and the tall man and his minions trying to find Mike. And, you know, we're like, maybe this could be a web series or, or something like that. And then we called it Reggie Tales, making fun of uh, Veggie Tales <laughs> at the time was on a lot of time that kids uh, show. So, um, I mean, 
there was always a pulp feel to it. And even when I first edited the film, uh, I had it broken down into chapters, you know, where we had chapter breaks, like chapter one, chapter two, and it went to chapter 13. And then, um, you know, I opted to take that out structurally um, once we knew it definitely was going to be a film and not a serial mm-hmm. or a, a series of some sort. Was there a, like a certain moment where you just realized that uh, you guys wanted to make a film and not put these as a, a series? Um, well, like I said, it, it was originally at that point after we took time off, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, the sad part is, you know, technology, when we first started this film, 1080p was just, you know, was just starting to really uh, become available, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and now everything's in 4K, you know, and, and we were looking back at this footage, you know, at the time everything was going 2K. And we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, is this even going to hold up? And, you know, so it, it didn't cross my mind that it would be a film or even usable as a film at the, at the time until we actually blew it up and and took it to, a, you know, some screening things to see how it looks, you know, uh, blown up. And it actually looked really good. Um, so it was really then, you know, and, and once Don said, hey, um, we're making part five and you're directing. Um, that's when it started getting real. You know, we brought in Michael Baldwin and Bill Thornberry and Kat Lester and started bringing all these um, people in. And, you know, I'm able to get some um, higher end equipment and, and stuff. And, and we're working a lot faster than we, you know, before we were literally just kids going out on a weekend uh, mm-hmm. shooting. But then once we decided to make it a film, it's, you know, now it's, um, you know, we had to really get into this and, and really, um, you know, shoot quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to answer your question, yeah, it, it did. But I, for me personally, I was thrown into it so fast where it's like, okay, we're making a movie. Um, let's get together tomorrow and we're going to do a script breakdown for the next scene. It was like, didn't really have much time to think about it. Yeah. It was more like, oh, my God, I got this character. I got to get this camera. I got to get these lights. Because Don and I are, you know, I'm director, he's producer, but we're both also first ADs and gaffers and grips. And, you know, we did everything. And let me tell you, those space gates, the space gate poles, the dimensional yeah. fork poles, those things are solid steel. They weigh, like, over 100 pounds each. Wow. Just take just taking them out to, like, the park scene where Reggie and Michael are talking and Reggie sees those space gate poles in the field. It's like it took me freaking hours to set those things up and I pulled my back and you're like trying to carry these things on a dolly. Uh, you know, Don and I end up uh, doing a lot of that stuff our, ourselves. You know, that's how uh, um, low budget we were and just where we wanted to spend our money in other areas uh, besides our own well-being. <laughs> so uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, those kind of elements that, you know, constantly reminded you you're making a movie uh, because we're constantly having to, to put up the equipment and take it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would think that would make you feel so much more in, in touch with it and invested. I mean, no matter what, it's going to be your movie and it's going to be your, your project and you love it. But 
I would just think that would, even though it sucks to have to do so much stuff and so much work, I'm sure it got really tiring that oh, yeah. it's like the depth. There's like a different connection that you wouldn't have if you had like a ton of people around just doing all these different jobs. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I like smaller crews because they're more personal and there's not a lot of people standing around. Everyone has, has, wears multiple hats, but I mean, absolutely. It makes it, it makes it very personal and uh you know and i'm you know i'm an illustrator uh for my living and stuff and you know i'm one of these uh overly emotional uh illustrators so mm -hmm. you know putting all that into it and you spend like six years on this and like i said i'm a, i was a fan of the series too um you know, so like the last, you know, several months uh, before the film comes out is gut wrenching because I'm just yeah. ripping myself apart and, and scared to death if everyone hates it. I just spent, you know, six years of my life on this labor of love and I let Dawn down and I let Angus down. And, um, you know, you're constantly running that stuff through your head, uh, you know, so it's, it's very personal, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and like you said, putting doing all these different jobs. Um, you know, I actually think, you know, for Don and I, it, it was a lot of fun. We'll, we'll bitch about it, but that's part of the fun, you know, mm -hmm. uh, talking about like, uh, that scene where Reggie's at the beginning, walking down the middle of the street, saying 110 degrees, no food, no water. You know, that shot was just me, Don and Reggie. And, Don and I took a crane out there, you know, like a crane you have to uh, to put together yourself, basically. And Don and I are, are grips, and <laughs> we're trying to figure out how to put this crane together out in the middle of the road. And then we had, uh, you know, you see a cop coming <laughs> down the street. It's like, okay, we gotta get the we gotta get the crane off the street. And I remember being an, a complete idiot, and I. Uh, stuck my hand between these two bars of the crane, not thinking about how the crane actually folds to raise and, and lower. And I got my hand caught in it and ripped my thumb open, started gushing blood everywhere as this cop goes by. And then, you know, having to film the rest of the day with, you know, because I forgot to bring band-aids, you just wrap a, you know, an old dirty cloth out of the car <laughs> a bloody thing and keep going, you know. But, but you know, those are the horror stories that you love to tell and it's, it's fun to relive sitting on the couch, uh, you know, talking about your movie and stuff. It, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It wasn't fun at the time, but it's fun now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, what was it like to see the movie for the first time with an audience? Uh, that was probably the worst moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, like I played it, you know, for the cast at different times. Mm -hmm. um, but Michael Baldwin has not, hadn't got to see it. And Cat Lester and Bill Thornberry hadn't got to see a cut of it yet because they all live so far away. They weren't in the LA area. And uh, we premiered it at the uh, Fantastic Fest in Austin. Um, you know, and the film started and I don't know if you guys seen it or not, but I did this little like, uh, like an old 50s uh, science film where I play a doctor explaining or a scientist explaining uh, the previous films. And it was called Phantasm and You. And they played that 
and that went really well and the movie started and there's all these cheers, but then the audience got quiet and through the movie, it's like, it's like almost dead quiet, you know, and, and the horse gets killed and I hear a, a couple of little oohs, but that's about it. I'm like, I'm like come up. on. I just, I just killed a horse with a spear. We've never killed an animal. <laughs> you know, with a I spear. thought that was hilarious. And, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was just dead quiet. And again, like, like with Angus, I'm just sitting there white knuckling it, you know, like just making fists. And I'm looking over at Don going, oh, my God, Don, we've lost the audience. We've lost them. We've lost them. And, and you know, Harry Knowles from Ain't It Cool News was in the audience and, a lot of um, um, bloggers and a lot of reviewers were in there. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you know, this is the kind of movie where people should be cheering, I would think, throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until the end. Everyone started cheering. And it, it, I was really surprised. Like, all of a sudden, it was this big blowout. And Harry Knowles immediately puts on Facebook or, or starts text messaging how much he loved it. And then, you know, all these other guys. And I'm... I was like, I didn't get that vibe at all from from the screening. And when I started questioning people about it, um, they were all just saying they were so, you know, expecting just having this fun uh, jump in there and it's just a bunch of action kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But they're like, no, we really got into the story and these characters and um, it sucked them in where – they're just trying to figure it out and, and and focus on, on what was happening. Um, you know, and that was a a different aspect that, uh, you know, I, I didn't think of going into the movie, you know, although I always wanted people to really think about it and, and, uh, what this movie means to them. And, and, you know, the film is designed to have, uh, different endings depending on, you know, your, uh, your thoughts on life and death and and your outlook on life. But, you know, at that time it was just, uh, you know, I was looking for the raw reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted, I wanted the pat on the back, the cheers, the, and I wasn't getting it. And I I was getting really, really depressed uh, during that screening. But, but, you know, afterwards uh, that hearing that actually meant a lot more than hearing cheers. Um, after that, we had a screening at this the Egyptian Theater, which is a, a very old theater um, here in uh, Hollywood, and it sold out like six or seven hundred seats. And wow. it, it was a different it was a different type of audience. Fantastic Fest is a different type of audience. They're not all genuine horror fans. A lot of them, you know, are it's just not playing horror movies. It's got a, a wide range of uh, types of movies. Well. Mm-hmm. This other, we played Beyond Fest and at the Egyptian Theater, and that is a, a, a horror, and uh, that was like an amazing screening because that was all cheering and uh, clapping and hearing some people even sob, uh, you know, at some of the later scenes, um, you know, which was uh, pretty amazing to see. So I know I'm rambling a lot, uh, but, you know, the it's weird to think back on all these different emotions you go through uh, with this. And then even depending on your audience and then, like I said, the venue um, uh, changes, it has a different vibe at each one. And it it plays havoc with someone like me who overthinks things. 
<laughs> your, your rambling is fine. But now looking at the film and seeing and hearing the response from people, do you now consider your film to be a success for what you set out for? Um, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's always some haters and there's always some, some negative stuff, but, um, the thing was, is even though I was nervous about sharing the film and all that, I, I was already at a point where I was happy with this film. The, the thing was, is Don Coscarelli never would have put it out if he yeah. wasn't proud of it. You know, Don is an independent filmmaker. He, he doesn't have, you know, these big studios saying we're putting it out no matter what, we'll just re-edit it. Mm-hmm. Don would just pull it. Wow. And, you know, the, the thing that I got his blessing and, you know, that he loves it. And, he, you know, he's he watched it, you know, over and over and over again. You know, he would be like, oh, I just put it in just to check an audio cue. But then I end up watching the whole movie again, you know, and, and getting Angus's blessing. Once I had those two guys, to me, I, I almost didn't care what anyone else said. Yeah. As long as they were happy, you know, and that that's really what I set out for. Because uh, I'm a fan and I wanted, you know, something that I wanted to see and something they wanted to see. So now actually getting to see, um, you know, getting a lot of good praise about it and a lot of people actually being able to look past the, the low budget um, aspects of things and, and, like you said, get into the story. Um, yeah, I would definitely say uh, for what we set out, it was a success. And, you know, like I said, we had many um, sold out screenings. Just the fact that a movie this low budget, this genre, even got into theaters, you know, we played in 50 cities, but, you know, even that's basically unheard of anymore with, with independent yeah. films. So, you know, so that was uh, pretty, I mean, that was rewarding in itself. But then again, getting praise and, you know, and actually having variety and entertainment weekly and other people actually give us praise looking past the low budget and what they liked and didn't like about the stories. And, and now being able to like read on blogs and stuff uh, to a certain limit, because I, I will drive myself insane reading negative mm-hmm. stuff for every thousand good reviews. One, one negative will tear me apart, but uh, getting to read like other people's interpretations of the film too. Cause like I said before, we, we set out thinking that the film can have different interpretations and, and, and different meanings to the ending, really. Even if you're a pacifist or, a, um, sorry, uh, not a pacifist, but a, a pessimist or an optimist, um, you know, just even that outlook on life can change the way you look at the ending. Um, so now getting to see other interpretations and then seeing people's interpretations you never even thought of. Uh, where they see something else in it, uh, you know, that's rewarding because that's what we set out to do. Phantasm for me was the type of film that I would go hang out with buddies and we, you know, be, get a pizza and beers and we'd watch Phantasm. And mm-hmm. then afterwards we would talk about it for an hour and a half, you know, mm-hmm. what different things meant or what they could be. And then we would argue about things and, you know, that was great. You know, and there's a lot of other movies I wasn't doing that with, you know. Mm-hmm. So just the phantasm, uh, you know, it, it strikes up conversation and dialogue and, and gives you something to think about. And it 
again, uh, you know, Don and I feel like we had a lot of answers in the film, and some people were upset that it wasn't handed to them on a silver platter. Um, but, you know, as Don said, the answers are there. You just have to work for them. Um, and again, it, it might not be a definitive uh, ending. It's not the Death Star blowing up, you know, but uh, there is definitely a an ending there and even, even hope uh, can be an ending, you know? So uh, there's a lot of different interpretations there. So I don't know. I'm probably getting too wordy for it. It's still a movie with a guy shooting a gun out of a car at silver balls flying in the air, which is just, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, so I, I don't want to get too uh, heady with this stuff, but you know, in hindsight, you th- you think about this stuff too much. <laughs> nah, but that, like you said, that's what you, it's a great thing when you could take a movie that could be taken just at face value. This is a cool action movie. It's got humor. It's got these different things. But then you can go further with it if if you like to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what Don and I were hoping for, and you know, and personally, we feel like it was successful at that. You know. We didn't, like we said, we didn't have the big budget to do a, um, the big end of the world blockbuster, you know, that uh, Don originally had in mind, you know, when he wrote um, Roger Avery from Pulp Fiction wrote, um, uh, you know, his Phantasm um, script. And, Phantasm 1999. You know, yeah. You know, and there's aspects of that in this film, you know, like with the, the Battle Cuda and stuff. But, you know, it just wasn't possible with the type of budgets and and stuff that Don was working with. And, you know, so we decided to go this other route and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually really glad we did. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really happy with the, the way it uh, turned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, is it, is it the last time we'll ever see uh, a phantasm project? I, I don't know. You know, uh, it's funny. Don's been asked this several times and Don's answer has always been, you know, uh, can there be, you know, Angus has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you saw the new star, you know, Wars, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> true. True. And, don't, and, don't, and, uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. That, that, that aspect has been brought up <laughs> several times, but you know, who knows? But in my mind, again, it, it goes to that serial, you know, and, and, if Phantasm really is this end of the world type of thing, there are a lot of other stories to tell, even outside of uh, Michael Baldwin's character, you know, or Reggie's character. There's other people involved, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we even had, you know, a little scene there with uh, uh, our guy Chunk and um, uh, Gloria Henry, as yeah, who played cool. Rocky in part three, you know. We were like, oh, you know, these two, we love working with these guys. Let's just do a little fun scene, you know, and, and, put it at the end here but you know could there even be novels or or you know more comics even if it went uh, to different mediums you know even radio plays are fun i mean it could be anything you know uh, there's a lot of things you can do with the with the world dongs created so i wouldn't i wouldn't say uh for certain that it's it's over but uh there's definitely an aspect that died uh with angus mm-hmm. um you know so but it, it's don's world so you know it's it's uh he's always surprising us so let's see what he brings <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, would you work? Uh, I'm assume you, I assume you would. But is there any plans for you and Don to ever uh, to do anything else together, even if it's not phantasm related? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, we still talk on a regular basis, so and we're always pitching ideas to each other. And, and like I said, even before phantasm, we wrote a um, we were coming up with this idea of the script, and we we brought in um, a friend Stephen Romano to write, which was the Escape from Freak Mansion thing. Um, but it was an idea that I pitched Don and then Don liked it. So we've all, we're always kind of working out stuff like that. And I got to help Don, you know, on Bubba and, uh, incident on and off of mountain road. And we've talked about other things I can direct and he can produce and other things he can direct and I can uh, help produce or whatever. Um, you know, it's just fun. That's, that's the fun aspect of independent filmmaking. I think, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's just coming up with this stuff and, and then just taking it into fruition. And it, uh, that stuff's a lot of fun. I, I don't know how else to uh, explain it. But, um, yes, we definitely have a lot of plans uh, for things. Let's just hope some of them get off the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you might not be a person asked about this, but you brought up Bubba Hotep a couple times. you think we'll ever see the sequel? I, You know, I would love that. And... Honestly, I, I've talked with Don about that several times, and, and there was a, I know he had a script for Bubba Nosferatu that I, I read that was freaking hilarious, um, you know, so I, I hope so, you know, I, um, who knows, Bruce is, you know, in the Ashes versus Evil Dead, and that's the big hit, so <laughs> he may not be approachable now, who knows, uh, but I, I would certainly love to see it. Get get Reggie Bannister. I think he'd he'd be a good. Uh, he'd be good. Yeah, and he was in Bubba Hotep. He had a he had a brief. Uh, he was the doctor or um, the uh, head of the uh, senior center there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and Dan Roebuck and Daniel Schweiger were the two um, um, ambulance drivers, and they were uh, in Ravager Demeter, and then the guy that was driving the Cuda at the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, so they were both in Bubba, and that's where uh, I met them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty sweet. And you yourself have a, have a cameo in Ravager. Uh, yeah, Don and I. That was a last minute thing. I I made that after I made that that big um, sequence of that that city. Don and I <laughs> were like, you know, we gotta <laughs> put ourselves in that. That's too cool. Uh-huh. So Don came over to my house and. Uh, like I said, I'm always making these short films, so I painted my garage chroma key green when I, I got the house. <laughs> so my garage is all green, so I could just take the cars out and start shooting whenever I want. And <laughs> uh, So Don comes over, and, you know, he directs me, and then I direct him. <laughs> and, uh, I'm hoping uh, I got a lot of behind-the-scenes footage of even just that little uh, our little <laughs> cameo, which was a lot of fun to film. Uh-huh. Um so, and I also, uh, Don gave me a cameo in uh, John Dies at the End. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, the uh, spider scene, it, it turns into, there was a spider attack. Um, I was the guy that falls into the pit, and then it freeze frames on his face, screaming, with my glasses broken, and then it turns into an animated sequence. And I did the uh, animated sequence, so Don had me play the guy getting, uh, oh, awesome. me and my family getting <laughs> killed. So that was a lot of fun. And the meat monster. I did the voice for the meat monster. Nice. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. 
at the beginning of that film. So mm. that was a, I don't know, a lot of weird stuff, but that's like I was saying, like the independent <laughs> filmmaking, everyone wears different hats and you just kind of jump in and do all these little cameos and where we can all be hams. And, uh, it's fun. <laughs> it's a job, but it's fun. Are any of your short films uh, available anywhere? Um, they are. Most of them are really crazy. Uh, I know I have a bunch on YouTube. I did, um, like, I had this one uh, series called Adventurous und Magic House, where I play a Girl Scout, and I got a, my friend. I'm a Girl Scout. There's a giant Bigfoot with an eyeball for a head and a mime, and we all live in a house together fighting monsters. It's, What's this called? Because it sounds amazing. I was wondering what the crazy thing <laughs> yeah. <was. laughs> yeah. It's called Adventurous und Magic House. Magic with a K at the end. So if you look up Magic House. Actually, look up Sideshow Monkey is my website. I think it's on the website. And then uh, go to YouTube, type in Sideshow Monkey. Um, Dan Harmon from uh, Community and uh, Rick and Morty and stuff. uh I did a short film series with him called Laser Fart, where he plays this guy that uh, can shoot lasers out of his butt. And Dan would write and I'd direct. And uh, we just, uh, <laughs> we did like eight or nine of these. And again, it was just shooting on a weekend and then, you know, in a couple weeks editing. So you can find those online. Uh, but usually my thing is just have monsters and freaks in it. There's one called Freako Asylum about guys running in a, Insane asylum filled with monsters. Everything has monsters. Um, yeah, but if you you look at that stuff, there's a there's a bunch. A lot more comedy and uh, than straight horror though. No, and that's why we we're like got to work on my reel. I love straight horror, but all my opportunities been comedy and and or you know, uh, and kids animation. You know, which has been very good to me, and I love it. But that's not what I set out to uh, to do. Um, <laughs> it just ended up. Uh, I, I got into it, and then it pays good, and I I love it. And uh, that sounds you know, like good stuff. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, it it really is, and I got to get to work on big properties like Starship Troopers. But these were the TV animated versions, but Starship Troopers and Godzilla and Spider Man and Men in Black and all these franchise shows, and now I'm doing Transformers for like the last eight years. So, um, some. You know, so it's it's a lot of fun, and yeah. you know, with Transformers, got to work with Kurtzman and Orsi, who are the original, uh, the guys who wrote the um, the movies, the Michael Bay movies, and um, and the Star Trek reboot. You know, and yeah. you know, get to work with them at their bungalow at the beginning, and I, you know, pitch wow. my first uh, animated episode. We get to pitch it at Steven Spielberg's hidden Amblin uh, conference room. Oh, at Universal Studios, it's like all these li little things that are just like amazing little dream come true for you know yeah. an animated series. So, so um, man, you've had like a pretty sweet life. I now that I'm talking about it, yeah, <laughs> I'm usually bitching about it, but you know, uh, yeah. Now I'm talking about it out loud. I'm like, what are you bitching about? This sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I know, you know this is kind of like dream stuff you're talking about. Yeah, that's amazing. I know. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like it's not the dream I set out to have, but it is a dream. So, uh, 
I just like making stuff. That's really what it comes down to, no matter what the medium. I just like to tell stories and make things. So, um, but you know, the dream's always been horror movies. That's mm. like I said, seven years old, getting that Fangoria uh, set me on a path of, of loving horror and all things monsters and horror movies, and, and um, that's always been the dream. That's always been the end goal for me. You know, so getting to have this opportunity and letting Dawn actually. I mean, uh, to me, that's just been, uh, I don't know how to express how grateful I am that, I mean, this is his baby. Don's yeah. an independent filmmaker. He's only directed his movies um, and his properties. And uh, just that he was willing to uh, hand the reins over uh, to let me direct, um, you know, I'm eternally grateful. And at the same time, I wouldn't... Uh, shoot any of uh, the scenes without having him on set. I always wanted Don on set uh, that I can ask questions to or answer. I, I still, no matter what, I wanted it to still feel like a Don Coscarelli production yeah. uh, and wanted it to fit on the shelf with the other films and not be a, uh, you know, a, a calling card for me to show off my camera moves, my, you know, or what, uh, new tricks. It really was about just trying to tell a, a simple story, you know, or a non-simple story, but uh, in the most simplest of terms and, and just basic filmmaking. So uh, just that Don, uh, you know, was with me all the way, holding my hand all the way. It, it's, you know, totally uh, grateful. And what an amazing experience. I'm tearing up now talking about it. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, so again, I'm a fanboy. I, I love those. Those sound stuff. pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I yeah, won't yeah, deny you your tears because it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. So other than yeah, it Phantasm, is. Other than Phantasm, you know, you want to do horror movies. What are the other horror movies that you enjoy, and what kind of horror movies? Because maybe they're not necessarily lined up. But what what kinds of horror would you like to do? Well, I mean, that's to me, it's always been changing. You know, I mean as I was younger, I was hardcore into, you know, the gore, uh, gore films. And, and, you know, I still, I still love, uh, Friday the 13th. I still love Jason Voorhees, uh, as a killer, but, but now, you know, I, then I, you know, monster movies, I love monster movies, uh, still to this day. I, there's not enough creature features for me anymore. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I love ghost stories and stuff like that, but there's, man, there's nothing, wrong with just a mutant (laughs) (laughs) completely you know messed up mutant creature that's wreaking havoc you know uh so hopefully maybe someday i can bring those back and you know and i freaking love a lot of people hate it but i loved prophecy you know that prophecy bear i mentioned on fangoria uh you know i I, that movie uh, had an impact on me as a kid as well but um no i mean these days, I, I, I'm still, I tend to gravitate towards the older stuff. As much as I, I love the new movies, I love, you know, we've gone through this whole uh, paranormal and ghost um, uh, phase in filmmaking now, and I, I love those films, but, I, man, I still love Texas Chainsaw, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those kind of films. But, uh, yeah, it, as a horror film goes, you know, now that I'm getting older, I, I I don't know if that's the, actually the reason, but I, I do love more thinking movies and, and psychological thriller 
type horror. Um, you know, I say that, but then the kid of me going right now, I'm thinking about, damn, I want to do a mutant <laughs> monster movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it seems like your Phantasm so, uh, movie was a really good crossroads for both of those perspectives. Well, it it was. It was. It was. And like I said, my short films always had action and comedy and stuff like that. But there was always this side where I, I really wanted to do, uh, you know, something a little more dramatic, uh, a little more drama, um, y- you know, just as a filmmaker, because it was something that was new to me, you know, and, uh, you know, getting to be able to, again, write these words and have these act- actors who are, you know, phenomenal actors uh, read these lines and, and bring life um to the words, uh, you know, the drama scenes are some of my favorite scenes in the movie. You know, although I'm proud of, like I was saying, the car chase and everything we were able to accomplish, but there's some about seeing Reggie Bannister playing an older version of himself talking to, you know, Michael Baldwin playing a, a bookwormish version of himself. Um, you know, those just doing those scenes were, was so rewarding to edit and, and put together and, and, at that point, it's like I'm not looking at fancy camera work or anything like that. It was all about the performance and what the uh, actor was delivering. And, uh, um, you know, as a director, that that was probably the most uh, rewarding um, scenes in the film for me. So uh, where can... I don't know if I'm answering your question. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Uh, and I'm probably going to have to go here soon. Unfortunately, uh, I have a meeting to go to for oh, Transformers. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That so, sounds that sounds great. Yeah. So uh, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. It's no. It's been great. Yeah, it's, it's only been, been an hour and forty five. Yeah, yeah, no. But <laughs> so just real quick, uh, where can pe- where's the best way for people to find you online, not like um, your house? Well, of course, Facebook, everyone's on there, um, just under my name, David Hartman. But my website, sideshowmonkey.com, uh, you can go that. It has a lot of my artwork and, uh, like I said, some links to the short films, but it also has all the, the contact links and the, the Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. So you can pretty much uh, reach me through that. Awesome. And you should also check out the Phantasm Ravager Facebook page, too, because uh, we're still lo- posting things every now and then and, you know, I'm still making little goofy ad short films and um, stuff on there to promote the film. So that's always fun. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you for coming on. It's been great. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to get to talk about the film. And, it, you know, it means a lot to hear you guys, uh, you know, um, really enjoyed it and, and and everything you got out of it. That, for me, again, as a filmmaker, it, it means a lot to hear that. And we, we work in a bubble and, you know, and, uh, you know, you'll read things online and stuff, good and bad, but it's not until you actually get to talk with people and, and, you know, like-minded people that, you know, love horror films and love all the, grew up with the same things and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so to to hear your approval, it it, it honestly means a lot to me. So I appreciate it. And again, thanks for having me on. Thank you for an awesome movie. I so loved this movie. <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed it. So, you know, hopefully there'll be a, you know, a box set sometime in the near future. And, uh, you know, 
hopefully uh, get some more uh, extras because I have a lot of uh, outtakes and behind the scenes stuff I'd love to Ooh. release sometime. Oh, so, awesome. uh, you know, hopefully we'll get that out in the near future. Awesome. That'd be great. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, man. And, uh, all right. Thank yeah, you guys. Yeah. All right. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you later. Thanks for being here. All right, bye-bye. Take care. Yeah. your head huge thanks to david hartman as an awesome guest oh without a doubt yes yes fantastic and that was uh one of our one of my fa- i mean we have so many but uh one of my favorite guests i thought he was uh you could really tell how much uh fun and how much he loved uh making this movie 
Mm-hmm. That comes Great through guy. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really nice guy. Uh, I've never, we never had Don Coscarelli on the show, but uh, whenever I've seen him talk, he always seems very the same way, just very nice, and uh, he's very youthful. Because uh, whenever he talks about the movie, he can just his, he just lights up and seems like a kid again when he's talking about, which I always find uh, you know great. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of kids, we actually have uh, Seth Heiss on the line. What? I don't know. Seth, we <laughs> hang up on you. <laughs> Say hello. Hey, kid. Like <laughs> Kids, not why are you getting man. like picked on so hard right now, Seth? What? I don't think that was being picked on. Rough. God. Yeah. What's going on with Seth? You should see what he calls me. He calls me worse than that. I <laughs> do. Kid, I think kid's fine. I was caught. That was my nickname as a kid. Was the kid? It's true. That's the a lame kid. Nia Lee, Nia Lee Worm, the Worm. Why were you a worm? I'm not sure, but uh, well, see, I hung out with Troy and his friends a lot, who were all uh, nine years older than me. So was, I was always referred to as the kid and the Worm. I thought you were about to say nine years old, and I was like, whoa. Well, I was. I was, I was probably even younger at some points of time. Yeah, when you were forced to go throw tomatoes. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, he was but a wee little lad then. <laughs> it is a pretty funny story. He was, At uh, first I thought you were evil, Troy, but in time I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have my evil tendencies. <laughs> so what happened, Seth, was uh, there's this neighbor, the neighbor, uh, the Smalls, and they would do stuff like uh, the, the old man would... Uh, Stand by his uh, window, and, and if we'd be playing football or frisbee, whatever, uh, and the ball would like come over his fence because he would run out and like grab it and bring it inside. So like the kid, we couldn't get the football back. Or so he, he was the mean neighborhood guy. Yeah, he'd call the police on us when we let we'd do fireworks on Fourth of July, all this kind of stuff. And so uh, Troy and I believe was it Marcavoni. It was, and I think maybe Jim. I like to give full names. They, yes. uh, they, they had me get a. Well, they had me get a tomato out of the garden. And this was October, so the tomatoes had long since expired. Mm-hmm, much like my pumpkin. So big ass rotten tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You're that damn pumpkin. He's, I got to get a new picture, by the way. The pumpkin survived the uh, the snowstorm. We had with 16 inches of snow, and my pumpkin, uh, the snow melted today, and he's he's still kicking. Okay. How do you define survive for that pumpkin? You can make out that he has a face. I see. Actually, my uh, UPS guy was delivering a package yesterday, and he was like, he came up through the driveway, and he looked at it, he said, that pumpkin's way scarier now than it was before. <coughs> yep. <laughs> so I uh, go on with the story, Troy. So the uh, get a rotten, pu- uh, rotten pumpkin. Get a rotten tomato. A big one. Big-ass rotten tomato. I remember, yeah. like, just holding over my head, and it was like, because I'm very little at this time. It just seemed like like pumpkin size, honestly. Yeah, I'm gu- I'm guessing here if Mark and I were probably 13. Yes, yeah, so I would have been like four. Yeah, you were like four or five years old. Yeah, I don't think I was even in kindergarten yet. No, you probably were. Or you wouldn't have listened to us, and you wouldn't have done this. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and so we went and we started throwing tomatoes at the guy's house. And not really considering that Neil is four years old, 
we're we throw him from the street and Neil doesn't have this good aim and the tomato was probably as big as his torso. <laughs> so he goes like scurrying up to this giant uh pitcher window with this tomato like almost as big as him and two hands under it. You know, uh carrying it like you would yeah, like if you had like a giant watermelon or a big pumpkin or something and kind of ducks down with it and then heaves it up in the air and it just at the same time the old man's looking out the window and he had kind of maybe that Angus Scrim look about him <laughs> he was kind of that mean old man look uh. and you so we're out at the street going Neil come on what are you doing and he's there with a big grin on his face because he doesn't know any better and splatters his giant tomato on it, and then just hauling ass as fast as his wee little legs can carry him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he ever did, if he did anything about it. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he did. He probably knew he deserved it. Yeah, there was another old guy on the other the other uh, corner of the neighborhood who I remember we were playing basketball. He would he jumped out with with his shovel and like. And like, hey, uh, no, he like no, almost he, did. It, I think he actually hit Troy because then our grandfather went up and, uh, <laughs> and yelled at the man. Saw <laughs> this old man not be like, Hah! and like hitting kids with shovels. Yeah, Mister <laughs> Phil. That's right, Mister. I don't. We just called him Mister Phil. But I don't know. What I don't know what the was. hell his name was. He was a miserable old prick. Yeah, but yeah, he hit you with the shovel, not with the shovel end, but with like the pole, like like a staff. He used it. Yeah, because wow. their ball what went in. You? Into his like gardener, right next to his gardener, or something. And so I don't even think I was with you guys when you were playing basketball. And then you came down and told me the guy stole your basketball. And I went up and I was like, hey, can I have my brother's basketball back? And he's like, no, get the hell out of here. And then I reached for the basketball and he hit me with a shovel. And I was like, wow, <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> That's horse. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine you not really doing anything, but like stopping and looking up at him with that, you know, what the, what a dick face. Like, oh, kind of yeah. like confused, what the fuck? <laughs> and our grandfather went up there. God, you know? it's like, God, all I did was ask for the basketball. And had to... <laughs> so it was like the battle of the old men after that. <laughs> I need to see a picture of your grandfather sometime. I've heard these stories, but I don't know what he looks like. I have him somewhere. I'll, I'll get one. Yeah. We gotta know what the the uh, Jones family looks like. Yeah, our grandfather was his nickname was Shorty, which I never knew why because he wasn't that short. Like, he uh, was, he very was pretty short. He about five six. Mm, well, That's I mean, he, he died when I was pretty young, so I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I guess compared to you, he was probably didn't seem short. Yeah, he died when I was twelve. So. Hmm. Yeah, these they had these weird generational things because his father, my great grandfather, well. Our great grandfather was about six four. Damn! What happened that? And then, so he, both of his sons were like five six or so. Yeah. And then their his kids were both six foot six one. Right. Yeah. Because Gary and Barry are pretty. Tall. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. And then Neil and I. I'm five seven, and Neil's what about five six? Five five, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Neil's a little bit shorter than me. You're, yeah, that makes sense because I'm like right in between your heights. And so, just you know, 
But he, he was a nice old guy. Oh, Fun, yeah. Funniest thing about but our grandfather was our our grandmother, you know, she was sorting through some, like, old uh, photos and stuff. And so I always remember my grandfather being this, like, short, bald guy with, like, big, big beer belly. You know, he, he was one of those people, he was a perfectly uh, functioning alcoholic. You know, nobody knew he drank, nobody ever met him sober. You know, he, he would pop his first can of beer when he woke up in the morning. He wasn't a coffee guy. And uh, I thought you were going to say like, oh, what fuck? I forgot what you said. Like a transvestite or something like that. He's a oh, I thought you were going to say that he was just like this normal guy. He go, he was a functioning like human being inside. Uh, <laughs> no, he's a functioning alcoholic. Like, oh. Well, he was. I mean, yeah, you he know, drank he's being honest. Yeah. He drank he was, honestly he from the time he got up to the time he went to sleep. Yeah, that was just his way. You know, and he, he wasn't an angry drunk or anything like that. It was just, you know, his way. And so, so she showed me these whole photos. And so back like in the 1940s, you know, my grandmother was like this raven haired, real beautiful young woman. And my grandfather looked exactly the same. <laughs> he was this short, bald guy with this big beer belly. And I was like, wow, you know, like he didn't change at all over the years. Like you're expecting to see this young stud. Yeah, yep. That's what I kind of figured. You know, I I thought he'd kind of reflect the way she looked back in the day, but it wasn't the case. So much. (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to find some pictures and uh, I'll scan them for everyone. If you guys had had kids, do you think they would have ended up being like these giants? (laughs) Maybe (laughs) we would have been that. Yeah, we would have been that skip generation. So we'd have like these six foot one kids and it would freak us out and <laughs> yeah, we blame our women for, you know, fooling around or something. You just to use your, uh, yeah. your kids for protection. Yeah. Maybe we need to start like a, like a, like garden or something so you can get them to plow it. And yeah. Like a farm. It's going to create things for your kids to toil. <laughs> right. Now that you can have something for it. Just too. be giants. So what, what the hell? Giants with hell. You see, you want to take advantage of all these height things. You want to have midgets. Now you want to have giants. Sure. Man. I, I like it. Control. Freaking what? exploitation. I what? Mean, I mean, you could. Where did that come from? You could do. You want control. a troll kid? Troll. What? <laughs> I said control. <laughs> oh, oh, I yeah. thought you said troll. <laughs> That's what I thought you said, too, Neil. But now man. that I'm thinking, like, it would be cool to have a bunch of midgets. But, like, you could do, like, a, you could get a lot more done with a bunch of giants. Depends <laughs> on what it is. Yeah, but they're harder to control, though. I don't it's know. True. They'll get feisty. They rebel. I, I, don't I, assume, I, assume I bet giants some are dumb. Young, uh, little people out there. Yeah, and it's, I, was, I just assume giants are dumb. Stab them in their Googles. Well, you know, we just saw we we watched Phantasm Ravager, and that little guy in there was amazing. He, he was, was fucking badass. Was, yeah, he was. And there's a there's a deleted scene actually where there is a giant a giant midget. Well, not a giant midget. He's a what? giant. You know the, the little guys. What, I forget what the names are. He's a giant dwarf. That's even what they call him in the deleted scene. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's one of the little guys in the in the. Uh, he looks like the Jawa, but he's but he's a giant. He's actually mm-hmm. played by Rick Mears. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> 
Yeah, oh, so he's like one of the the dudes from like the hoods and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but he just happens to be like seven or eight feet tall. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they. He's like a monster monster. Yeah, That'd it was. Be... It's a pretty cool scene, but uh, I'm not exactly sure why it, why it had huh. to be deleted. Uh, for time, I guess, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It sounds like an Urukai kind of. Yeah. Oh, it's funny yeah, maybe I... he's like the the troubleshooting one. When I was mm-hmm. listening to the uh, commentary on uh, Phantasm, the first movie, and they made it, and then uh, before it was released, someone told Don, he's like, he's like, oh man, your dwarves showed up in that Star Wars movie, and he's like, what? And then he went and saw, it and it was, you know, the Jawas, and he was like uh-huh. so bummed. But uh, so, but he he made uh, Phantasm before that came out. Wow. So it wasn't like you know, really, neither one took it from the other. Just it was just a weird coincidence. There's a really cool uh, extra on the on Phantasm Remastered, which we're yeah. giving away tonight, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I think, uh, I don't remember how many copies, we gave away one of each. Last week. Both of each last show, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't want to forget about that, because people need an opportunity to take advantage of it. Yeah. There's copies of the original Phantasm Remastered and of Ravager that I, I received from the company. I, I'm terrible. I don't remember the name. Well, go USA. And we'll have a limited supply. Mm-hmm. So we are already down two of each. I mm-hmm. think there's ten. Well, go USA. Yeah, well, go USA. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's awesome to be able to, to use those for prizes. So. Should someone call in? Like, what's their contest going to be? Um, well, I, I wrote down everyone who's been share who was sharing the uh, the, the podcast tonight. Eek. And so I've got a, a list here of people, and then uh, and then I figured after this pod after we actually podcast the show, that next week we could give uh, some out to people who shared this this podcast that you're listening to now. Can we like take advantage of them? Like last week we were talking about having people entertain us. All like, right. Well, we could think laugh. of some good ideas. Sharing, you guys should share this shit anyways because we're freaking awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for real. Just share Usually it. Usually they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can... Cool people share because sharing is caring, as we all know. Yeah. Well, we already <laughs> said it for this week, so so we'll do that for this week. But then we'll think of some other. Maybe they could uh, make some type of phantasm uh, picture of themselves. Dude, that's complicated. I, I just want them to call in and like tell us a joke or something. All right, that's cool. Just call in. That's, that's don't go crazy. Fun. All right, all right. Damn. They could juggle spheres. God. They could juggle spheres on the phone. That would work out well. All right, excellent. So, yeah, call in, and uh, that's that's a good way. Call in. What uh, if people call in and do their impersonations of the tall man? No one will rock. do that. If you do, it'll be amazing. I like the I idea. dig that. Yeah. I love it. Thanks. So if anyone out there is listening, uh, by the way, Leroy Dawson and uh, and Michael Epstein both said a great interview. So. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much. It was it was really very fun. Mm-hmm. They're good guys with a very enthusiastic person. That's always helpful when people are very enthusiastic. Oh yeah, yeah, agreed. agreed. He's pumped, and he he seemed to walk away feeling better about his life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, dude, your life is awesome. I know. Yeah. And it was. It was like the coolest shit. I'm like, wow. Well, I got to say, I I have to, like, remind myself of that, too. It's like I get all bent about, like, nor- everybody does this. There's people, millionaires and stuff, and you're going to get bent about your life a little bit once in a while. But I'm like, man, I'm so lucky to be doing this stuff. Like, I might not make, like, all kinds of money or whatever, but 
I do really cool things. So, yep, I appreciate that. Uh, once in a while, you just have to get a little reminder. Tall man impersonations, impressions. Mm-hmm. Want to hear some boy? That's what yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah, can you give us one, Seth? No, because I don't do impressions. Mm. I, can, I can do a Seth High. Just say, no, it, no, it's not. That's all you need to do. No, it's, it's not. not. Yeah, come on, you can do it. Never. It'll make you feel good. Hey, you give me a hard time about dancing, but you can do a little impersonation. No. Uh-huh. So, so this is the deal. We're we're gonna meet up in Texas. Troy should still go to that, but we're all gonna meet up in Texas for Texas Frightmare in May. Which, uh, what are the dates for that? Because we should start advertising for them. I believe it's May fifth through seventh, something is around it those May, lines. The weekend of Cinco de Mayo. It's around. Those <laughs> it better not be. That would suck. Don't be May the fifth. Why? Is it really? I'll tell you later. It has to do with that Star Wars thing. Fuck. Oh, God. Oh, man. What's well, first... Not that I don't want to go, but there's something else going on. Well, there's, like, it, like... It's definitely the first week of May. What's that? It is the first week of May, so. Damn it. Uh, well, anyways, Troy, if you're not going, uh, go, to... <laughs> go to that uh, May the 4th. Uh, not May the 4th. You know that thing I told you about last year with the lightsaber battle in Boston? Oh, yeah. That's oh, what's that's going down. Again. Yeah, it's May 5th, 6th, oh, and 7th. Fuck! Oh, God. <laughs> so awesome! I've been waiting all this time! Uh, well, I'm certainly not going to freaking cancel to go to the Star Wars thing, but it's technically not a Star Wars thing. They were getting really, really badgered by the Disney people about that. They can't call it lightsabers. They have to call them, like, glow swords. <laughs> <laughs> glow what? stick battle why that's everybody something... knows what we're talking about like well that's the thing so before i, I i'll just cover this real quick because i'm already talking about it if you go on facebook if you like star wars or you just want to beat people with some kind of light saber shaped uh gear a glow you stick. dress up like a fool you would just want to look at the spectacle the group is called New Mind Space, as one word, New Mind Space. Go to Facebook. There's a ton of uh, events. There's one in Boston. There's one in New York. I think there's one in L.A. And uh, they're just these amazing things. Like, And the Boston one is in Boston Public Garden. It's this huge open area. It's totally free. You show up with, uh, you know, if you've got some kind of lightsaber you've already got going on. Uh, they have them there, wicked cheap. I think it's like five bucks, and they glow, and you can change the colors. And you just, like, freaking fight people with freaking lightsabers in a park. It was, like, hundreds of people. It's amazing. Uh, so do that. Or if you are going to go to Texas Frightmare, which it really is amazing. It, it, this is the, the convention that Neil and I have tried to make a point to do. A lot of other conventions we love. We maybe go. We maybe don't go. But Texas is great. And part of the reason Texas is great is because... Someone like Mr. Seth Heiss will be attending and will be meeting Seth. And he was giving me a hard time about dancing. And I said, I'll have to drink. And he said that was lame. And I agreed. But this guy who wants me to, like, actually take my time to dance, like, in front of people where they can physically see me, can't say, no, you're not. 
it's hysterical that like because not I think it was like five days ago, I danced in a parking lot with some friends and there were people it was like outside of like a hotel and like a what was the waffle house. And we were just like putting on a show and we weren't doing it for them at first. We were just entertaining ourselves. And then we look up and there's all these people like smoky and drinking and watching. We were like, fuck it. We're famous. Let's do this. Oh, that's like, well, that's like, like friendly, friendly toast. toast. What? When Neil and I toast, there's a mad echo right now. Well, anyway, so Neil and I were in the friendly toast and uh, this was a few years ago now. And we ended up doing the the dance party, and there was a huge like the whole wall. It wasn't just a picture window; it was like the whole wall in the room we were in. It was just us and the waiter Devin, and this window. And so we're dancing stuff, just listening to the music playing over their radio, and people outside just gathered on up. Yeah, for real. Like sure. it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm really out of shape, and I'll get out of breath quickly, but you know, it's fine. What? No, it's not. No, it's not. Is that your Seth impersonation? That's my Seth impression of doing the tall man. You you sounded like Forrest. Oh, my all my southerners kind of have that same kind of sound. They all have that su- that Forrest Gump sound. Uh-huh. That's not even Forrest Gump. That was just shit. <laughs> then make it better. Show them how well, it's done. All I have to do is talk. No, but being the tall man. Be the tall man. Give yeah, us a no, on. it's not. Fuck that. Be the tall man. Do it, boy. You want to fight me? Let's go. That's all you have to say is boy. That's all you have to do. I sent you a condom. It's you much peer pressure. Do I don't think you can handle it. Okay, fine. Ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. No. Oh, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I kind of like the Forrest Gump uh, doll, man. That's no, that cool. legitimately just gave me cold chills. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that legitimately just gave me cold chills. It was so bad. That was better. That was on the right track. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I realize I have to speed it up a little bit for Seth. He's not. He's, he's not, my your tall man can't be as bad as Neil Seth. <laughs> I, don't know. I think that last Seth was pretty good. That was awesome. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you could pass for me, but I don't know. I think maybe your friends would would be like, uh, is that Seth or? It looks a little different. Yeah, they'd be like, that's supposed to be Seth. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he sounds a lot better. We go to Texas. Can you guys dress up as each other? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Seth is going to be dressing Zubaz. And <laughs> oh, I'm going to put on my snake cowboy and... hat. So he's going to be the freaking, like, the styling guy white the trash show. Neil Jones. <laughs> is what you're telling me. <laughs> I what just, version of Seth are you going to be? I, just, I don't know, got, Seth, what do you wear that stands out? I don't know if you have, like, an outfit. I unless just, he dresses like a rabbit. I just got some new cargo pants that are almost Zubaz-esque. I really like them. I'm going to wear them Saturday, probably. You you better be real careful with your judgment, or I'm going to drive on by. They're like, they're like, they're well, they're camouflage, but they're not traditional <laughs> camouflage colors. They're like, br- they're like bright teal. 
as long as they're like a fabric that's not like pajama bottoms. They're, they're cargo pants, regular cargo pants. So they're pants. They're like a thick fabric, not some creepy fabric. <laughs> what? What the <laughs> hell? Dude, it's like I because. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what is creepy fabric? Because <laughs> creepy fabric is when there's like some guy walking around in like threadbare pants. That's creepy. <laughs> like Neil in tights. Ooh. People, men in tights is not good. They're baggy. You gotta really be they're able to pull off. They're the opposite of tights. They're baggy. <laughs> Zubas are not baggy enough. They need this they're fabric almost, has to be a certain like, like thickness to be acceptable pants. in public. <laughs> I just googled men in tights and it brought up Carrie Elways. Yeah, that was a terrible movie from Mel uh, Brooks. It's a terrible movie. Mm, <laughs> you google Zubaz and, and tell me what you think. Fine, like awesome. I had this discussion. They're awful. They are. They rule. So look up Zubaz old. Let's see what old Zubaz looks like. Like the greatest band. Huh. <laughs> you might find a existed. picture of Neil if you look up Zubaz. <laughs> And that's the last thing. Oh my god. I just found the worst picture of Neil. Of Neil? <laughs> did I come up in the Zubaz? This is like back in the day, Neil, too. <laughs> what did you. Now they've you... got all these athletes wearing Zubaz, and you know they're like fresh and stuff. No, they're still weird. They're too. They're, their fabric is too weird and clingy, and not. it's not good. It's awesome. No, I got a, I got a sweet Zubaz tie too. I like that. Zubaz tie is fine. It's not covering your naughty bits. Ew, <laughs> don't ever Zubaz say naughty bits again. Zubaz is bad. It and that's why. It, it, it so that's what it's all about, it's, people. It's it feels like someone is like walking around like they're just it's just creepy. They're creepy <laughs> pants. They're creepy pants. It depends how I'm wearing it. The they're tie. creepy pants. So what did you Google Seth to find a picture of me? You, I put it on Facebook. Oh. Where is it in the group? If you'd like to join the conversation that a few people might be having right now, if they're kind, <laughs> is go over to Facebook. Do facebook.com slash groups slash without your head horror and join up because every, well, you know, people post stuff all the time, but every Thursday night we do the show. We have an ongoing podcast chat. It'll be tagged right at the top. <laughs> and for your uh, convenience. And uh, people talk about the show. If we have uh, a guest on, then you can ask questions. Oh, I forgot to ask Derek's question. Sorry, Derek. But yeah, we try to ask the questions that you have. And you can, you know, we just go along and someone like Seth will post a picture and you can be like, oh, what the hell are they talking about? Well, I best go to that Facebook page and find I out. I still have my original pair of Zubas that I had from uh, junior oh. high. I'll bring him. I'll bring him the text. That's something you never it, need to. Get. It'll. I'll. I'll pass the torch to Seth. I'll pass the torch. <laughs> Please to don't. D- just don't. Don't wear them. I'll be like Seth. I present to you my pants. Neil, I present to you a lighter from 1991. <laughs> They're pretty sweet. Charlotte Hornets. Oh. The the Charlotte the Charlotte patch has fallen off. Yeah, they're gonna be pretty threadbare. I would imagine. That's what I'm saying. It's gross. It's Don't awesome. Shit. It's very sweet. All right, where is this picture? Is it in the chat here? Yeah, yeah. it's not a me. Back when Neil had long hair. Oh, stop! Lion. 
Right, now I gotta yeah. see what pictures come up of me if you put it if, if Neil Jones Zubaz comes up. I just wonder that what second guys wearing MC Hammer pants. I don't think those are Zubaz. No, I'd wear those. According to Google, Neil is the he's the spokesman. Oh look, I found a pic- an actual picture of Neil. Is it awesome? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what else is going on in horror? Anything? I have no idea. Yeah, there's stuff happening. Stuff going down. Uh, Honky Holocaust came out this week on DVD. Really? Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fan of the Honky Holocaust. I think we know people involved in that. Hmm? I think we might know people involved yeah, in that. Yeah, I know several people. That's actually how uh, I came to know uh, Paul Colarney <gasps> was through uh, when I saw Honky Holocaust. I was a big fan of it. I gave it a review on Amazon. You can go read my review of it. But yeah, it's out on Amazon on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, check it out. And also check, go back and uh, check out the uh, interviews done to uh, of them with us. And he wants to come back on. He'll be a, he'll be a semi-regular here on the... Uh, Very nice. On the Without Your Head world. <laughs> Man, there's a letter. If you put in Neil Jones IYH, a lot of stuff comes up. Uh, yeah? yeah, IYH or WYH? Uh, I oh, I just found the best thing. I gotta post it. Oh my Both god! Of them. I gasped. I don't know if you heard that, but I gasped so loud. Gassed? What the fuck gasped. is a gas? Gasped. Oh, oh, I thought you said gas, like because you couldn't say the word fart. Ugh. I know you're very weird about that stuff. Of all the things you talk about freely, there's some words that that you can't handle. I don't understand that. Yeah, I came up with a new name for Seth. I thought I'd start calling him Farty McPoop Pants. McPoop Bum. <laughs> it combines all his favorite words. Would you call him Farty McPoop Pants Kid? Maybe. Does, did you have an actual problem with Kid? No, not really. All right. Well, then. I was about to ask if I had a problem with kids. <laughs> then there's no point in me calling you Kid if, if it's not a problem. But uh, there's a cult of Chucky trailer out there. People are sharing it. Everywhere. That's not no. I've seen that. That's not real. Well, it is real, but it's really lame because it's just it's just a it's just a collection of old clips of the movies. That's why I said it's not real. <laughs> but it is real. I mean, the, the, they put it out. It's not like some fan made it. Well, that's just fucking stupid. I know. <laughs> this, this movie, I watch our old stuff. Yeah, it's like but, yeah, where yeah. is this at? It's all. It's on like all the horror websites, but I'll I'll post it's it. Called? The Cult of Chucky, and it's it it. I mean, it's first time I watched it, I was like, you know, it's clear a lot of it's old. Then it's like all of it's old. There's nothing new in it. <laughs> and like you know, all the all the actors are sharing it. It's on all the horror websites, and I'm thinking, this is like really like budget to like share this is like. <laughs> Your, your movie, like, this is a trailer of my movie. It's a collection. I mean, it's not even made or anything. I don't think it's even been started. It's like, even started it's, to be made. Uh, it says that uh, filming shooting Monday. begins. Yeah, so don't put a trailer up of stuff that's, like, just old. That's just, like, that doesn't, you know, it's a first impression. It's not very professional. No, and, like, that's my first impression of the movie, and I'm like, oh, this looks awful. Yeah, it's very annoying when they do that. Yeah. Are they bringing back the girl... 
from Curse of Chucky? Yeah, because, yeah, well the, well, the Bride of Chucky's in it. Like, I don't know if she's in the movie. No, not or... Jennifer Tilly, uh, the girl she's in the wheelchair in the... from Curse of Chucky. Yeah, I don't know, but is she in the tra- I know that the Bride's in the trailer, so. I yeah, I know she's coming back because I saw it on Twitter. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, let me look it up. Because I will say that I think her name was Nika in the movie, The Girl in the Wheelchair. She, out of everybody in the series, you know, Catherine Heigl and her boyfriend or Andy, she is the best lead they've ever had. Oh, she is coming back. That made me excited. I don't know. I don't. I don't rec- remember anything about her. To be honest, <laughs> I think the best lead's just the kid in the original one. Oh, really? Because I strongly disagree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's... To me, all, the only good one is that one in the in the Bride of Chucky. Oh, you're talking about Brad Dorf's kid? Yeah. Yeah. The wheelchair. Oh, the yeah. girl. I remember watching that movie. wasn't really uh, wasn't very impressed. Fiona, that's a very pretty name. Fiona Dorf. I think. Now, she's... is he in this new uh, Chucky or no? He's got to be doing the voice. Yeah, he is. I don't think he did it in the last one, did he? Really? He did. Oh, he did. Yeah, because it was his kid in the movie, and everybody was like, "Oh, okay. oh it's his kid in the movie," and I expected not to like it. Because usually, when you see stuff like that. In a movie, it's like, oh wow, their family can't act either. You don't think Brad Dorf's a good actor? No, I'm saying when they're like, fuck, I forgot what I was gonna say. You're talking about, oh, about the kids, yeah, yeah. When they bring in like family members and stuff, I'm like, okay, well they're gonna fucking be awful. And then I'm like, oh no. Some people's kids are pretty talented. Yeah, she had some good acting chops on her. Here's a picture that came up in my Google search of myself. Just the one that I posted? No. I you didn't post any real pictures of me. I'm uh I'm not gonna make any yeah. judgments about Zubaz, but I do have to say when I did the search, uh-huh. all guys that wear Zubaz have like nineteen seventies porno mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> They all, they all have like, um, oh, William Smith, the guy that played Conan's dad. Uh, they all have his mustache. Uh-huh. So you need a porn stash if you're going to do this. No, that's what he had before, and it was horrible. Okay. Picture. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Neil. You're so lucky you met me. You know it's true. But that's what I've noticed with the. With these you gotta say, Neil has got way better stuff than that I'm in his life. I've given him some real. T- <laughs> I'm getting real tips in this picture I posted. God, <laughs> <right>, I bet. <laughs> Literally. Tips, a few tips in your fucking head orifices. <laughs> I don't believe Troy stuck them in me at some convention. Can you blame him? Damn, I'll never forget. What was the convention that the three of you guys, so it was uh, Troy Neal and Troy's uh, Neal's other co-host, John, from the wrestling show. And you are so drunk, and you're sitting between the two of them, and they seem like they just want to kill you. That and was... you're, like, flirting with John and just, like, <laughs> so weird. It's so weird. That was, that was the last time John ever, ever saw me in person. That was... <laughs> 
cannot blame him. And then he quit without your head after that. That was uh, that was uh, Days of the Dead. It was the only one John went to. Wow. Was that your first hat, Days of the Dead? I believe, yeah, I believe so. For the hat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was pretty I was pretty intoxicated that whole weekend, I think. Oh yeah, you were you were pretty well lit up. I was drinking like a legit just a big bottle of uh, some kind of bourbon. Like just straight that the, during that whole uh the Where's whole that video, video at? Because you really are wrecked. People should see it. <laughs> it looks embarrassing. but you're not embarrassed by anything, so No, I think I think it's hilarious. But um, yeah. But yeah, it it it, it I, you know, it is a little weird. Like I'm like rubbing John. And... You say there's all kinds of strange things you do to John. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder he's a mess. He's <laughs> known you for all this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Been hazing him for all these years. Ah, he had a good time. <laughs> Let's see here, uh, American Horror Story. It's been renewed not only for a seventh season, but an eighth and a ninth season. So it's going to be for three more years. Now, what happened to everybody saying this last season was going to be the final I season? I don't know. Then just all of a sudden it got renewed halfway through this last one for another season. <laughs> and then just and now it's come out for two more after that. That's great. All yeah, because this season such a big Do fucking Do we have to still thrill. keep watching this? I don't want to. Well, we'll, for, well, I guess we'll watch the first episode. Yeah, we'll start yeah. on. And if we don't like it, let's we'll just not watch it. Yeah. Because yeah, there's so many good things on. Yeah, we could be watching. We can watch talk yeah. about other stuff. It's like worthwhile. Not something that's like a chore to actually get through. Seriously. So this will be like our new uh, pact. I agree. If we I don't like enjoy it. it after like two episodes, we'll yeah. say screw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. We'll give it two, though, because sometimes it starts off slowly. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes they have to introduce the characters and get some stuff out of the way. and Right. Yep. Kind of settles off, into itself. Even, even uh, Game of Thrones, like it took me a couple episodes to really get into it. Well, there's so many characters, you know. Oh, sure. I'm just saying for an example. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, there yeah, be- I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Uh, Black Mirror, I'd like to, uh, maybe not tonight because it's getting late, but I'd like to, uh, I know we talked briefly about like the whole show in general last week, but I think that would be a good one to talk in depth about uh, episode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that show. I'm really glad you guys both like it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I've gotten a couple of the guys at work into it, too. Oh, really? So. Oh, sweet. That's great. Yeah. So, actually, Neil uh, uh, Leatherface, the kid that went with us, Brian, that oh, okay. went with us to the Brazilian Grill. Mm-hmm. He digs it? He loves it. Oh, nice. So there's a sequel to Tales from the Hood coming. Like This is like a long time since Tales from the Hood. Wow. Yeah, wasn't that in like the 90s? Yeah. Had I always be, liked yeah. it, but uh, it's weird that it just all of a sudden would make a new one. Tales from the Crib. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. I like oh, these yeah. movies. I know there's been a lot of them, but I like it. I don't think I saw Tales from the Hood. It's good. I like it. It's, uh, under, it's underrated, I think. <laughs> Uh, we Who was in that one, Neil? Was that, um... Oh, the guy from some Mod Squad, or... Was it... Oh, I thought it was Snoop Dogg was the host of that. Yeah, I thought he was. Am yeah, I thinking I of another one? I think you're thinking of another one. Uh, I think that's Snoop something. Oh, okay. 
Because there were a few, like, urban ones. Yeah, this is the guy the big hair. He's an older guy. He was like the... Oh, you're right, from the Mod Squad. And then he played Prince's dad in Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Can't think of the guy's name. Mm-hmm. I have He's no idea. He's the man, though. Uh, there's also another uh, anthology coming out. It's, uh, coming out soon is uh, XX. And honestly, the trailer looks very good. What is it called? Uh, XX. Hmm. Like an axe you hit people with? No, X, or a... X's. Two X's. XX. Okay. Like double X. Exactly. Double X. But the... Um, I don't want to sound sexist, but it's it's uh, an anthology that's all, it's directed by all women. And I, I don't... And like the uh, the, the uh, posters, like uh, like lipstick. With like mm-hmm. a, like pink lipstick with a skull in it. Oh God! I don't like this and it's shit. like the the movie actually looks good, but I, I, this stuff always bothers me when it's just it's just all, the whole thing about it is that it's directed by women. Oh, nah, I wish I wouldn't do that. Yeah, the lipstick's like turned into the shape of a skull. It's like a kissy that has it's mm. that's lame as fuck. Yeah, and just to me, I want like, them to start making posters for guy movies. Like if there's all done by men with uh, like. The big testicles movie. and penises all over. That'd be awesome, right? Prove <laughs> a point. Mm-hmm. This is <laughs> this is the big raging hard on. Yeah, <laughs> or you could just hang there. It doesn't have to be like all up and stuff. You could just be like hanging out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seth, <laughs> Seth is getting excited about this movie. <laughs> Seth's new plan is to make an anthology of all male directors. This is the next without your head project. God. I love that. Maybe we should make some mock-up posters for men's men's films. Uh, yeah, hell yeah, I love it. Okay, I'll type in "hanging dick." <laughs> You're gonna find a lot of search results, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's Look up animated time. ones. That'll probably be a good time. God. <laughs> it's a good thing he's not wearing Zubaz. <laughs> With his porn stash. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This uh, guy's balls hang to his Googles. What? To his what? His Googles. What is that? Your knees. Oh. We've been through this. You did? Yeah. You're, you are to refer to... Ew! You're to refer to knees as Googles from this point on. How do you spell that? Like the website. Googles? Yeah. Why the fuck would a knee be called a Google? It doesn't do anything that's googly. I don't know. Why is a penis called a penis? Because they came up with that a long time ago. But the Googles is new, and I don't understand how it would be a Google. I think it's just something Seth made up. It must be, because it doesn't make any fucking sense. New uh, Twin Peaks starts May 21st. Really? That's Very awesome. about this showtime. Who's making sex oh. noises? Uh... Your mind. <laughs> what kind of sex noises are you talking about? Heavy, heavy breathing. Was it you? No. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna ask other people what that noise. <gasps> well, maybe it's like whoever smelt it, dealt it. Uh, only not. You know what I mean? What Sl- kind of fucking picture? Slenderman movies coming out. In addition to the documentary. Yeah. There's a documentary Beware the Slender Man, but then they're also making like a uh, like a fictional movie about Slender Man. Hmm. There was one that they made about Slender Man. I don't know when it was. It was called Always Watching. It was just fucking terrible. 
Yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's too bad. <laughs> they should just save it for uh, for Channel Zero to do. Oh, uh, Channel Zero. When is that coming out again? It's pretty soon, I think. I think they actually already filmed it. Wow. So, awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I what about that. Strange Things? Stranger Things. Yeah, that's been renewed. I don't know when like it, it comes out though. Did she win any awards? Um, I didn't watch the Golden Globes. You didn't. I know that uh, Winona Ryder was up there for an award. Mm-hmm. I saw. Oh. I saw the internet like is is up in arms because I uh, see. I don't know anything about the Deadpool character in the comic book, but yeah. apparently he's pansexual in the comic, and uh, Ryan Reynolds is going to play him as pan. Or there's rumors he's going to play him as a pansexual in the next movie. Yeah. And I, I saw people like all uh, upset about this. Yeah, because a lot of people are homophobic assholes. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Uh, I found the penis poster. I found it. Poster? The penis oh. poster. I'm talking about. I saw. Well, I saw one uh, girl on my Facebook, and she was saying that she'd have no interest in the movie now because she couldn't. Uh, she because she's like. Uh, sexually homophobic into him. asshole. She said she's sexually into him, and knowing that there'd be no chance, like she wouldn't. And I'm like, well, the what guy, the fuck does the that guy, mean? The guy's a fictional character, though. It's the, like, pansexual you know. means you'll have sex with fucking anything. So yeah. why does she not have a chance? <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> she doesn't exist. But you don't know you what the fuck the word even means? How could she be concerned about it? Anyway, like, what the hell? Okay, dumb. Come on, people, grow up. It's a big world. There's a lot of shit that goes on in it. Troy finally saw watch that movie. He was not he was not a, a big fan. Most people yeah. absolutely love it, but I didn't watch it. I'm, I don't feel I'll be into it, but but I, I despise think that, that movie. Really? Is that I bad? It. Yeah, I wow. really did. The sense of humor is not really my style. <clears throat> no, this one if if there's not enough dick jokes in like a Mel Brooks movie <laughs> for you, then Deadpool might be your movie. <laughs> Good to know. Just an awful, awful fucking movie. Hmm. I wonder what the appeal is. Uh, if you're really into like juvenile humor and people I don't know, a lot crazy. of blood, I guess. Yeah, people just love it because honestly, whenever I see people that like it, it's always because it's rated R. <laughs> that's like yep. that's all they talk like about. Superheroes like, swearing, was it good? a lot like, of blood. I mean, that's yeah, fine I, if it's good. But. I'd be really curious to know how. This whole uh, news about his pansexuality, how it's going to affect his audience. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people that are very upset about it. And I see people don't care. I mean, I won't say everyone is upset, but I have seen people upset about it. It's not something I knew about at all because I don't know anything about the character. But then I saw, you know, people are upset about other people like, hey, well, he is in the comic book. Hmm. Well, people are lame. Need to grow up. Yeah. Uh, of course, we talked about Angus uh, throughout the show, but uh, yes. he's in uh, another movie that's coming out, uh, Dances with Werewolves. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. He's, a, he's in the trailer. No shit. Mm-hmm. What, uh, how big of a role does he have? Um, he's, well, I, I, I'm not sure, but he's not in the trailer very much. Just a little, like, pops up, so I assume he's not in the movie too much either. <laughs> Can't say the movie looked too good, but... Uh, well... Be worth watching just to see him. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it, maybe that's his last role, you know. Whatever happened to um, Helen Keller? I think it came out. I Did don't it? know where, but uh, I wonder if it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. 
What was it called? Helen Keller. I think Werewolf Killer. I'm sure if you put in Helen Keller Werewolf, you'll you'll find it. I don't know. There might there might be a lot of Helen Keller where Helen Keller versus the Night Wolves. There you go. Mm-hmm. Damn, this dance with werewolf thing doesn't even have a cast listing on IMDb. Yeah, it doesn't look too hot. I have to say, um, I hate to say this because they were nice enough to send us a screen and everything, but uh, they made a remake of Play Nine from Outer Space. The same people? Well, it wouldn't be Ed Wood, but I mean, oh, you mean the same people? No, no, no some other people. Well, I don't know who made it's totally it. Totally unrelated. Uh, yeah, it's called Play okay. Nine. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh my god, it's just awful. <laughs> So it's so poor. Yeah, that was very hard just to get through. It's like uh, Conrad Brooks is in it. That's nice. And uh, I didn't. And Camille Keaton was in it. Who uh, we had on the show from uh, *Spin on the Grave*. I didn't even know it was her until I was watching the credits. The credits are cool. I'll say that the credits are. Like, so go straight to the credits, and you're fine. Yeah, it's a very strange. Like it starts like. Uh, like self-referential, like saying like it's a movie. They're making a movie, and then it then it then it just goes into the movie. It's it's odd. It's an odd film, mm-hmm. and like the dialogue is all just awful. But it's not like it's almost like they made an Ed Wood movie, but not in a funny way where you could like laugh with it. It's just like they just made a bad movie. I I didn't. It's it's not good. That's a damn shame. Yeah. Very disappointing. But uh, Kel- yeah, Helen Keller vs. the Night Wolves. Apparently it's out. It's got like a lot of uh people have uh rated it. Do they like it? Yeah, here's a user review that gave, gave it uh ten stars. Yeah. Out of four. Not only <laughs> did the director capture the true essence of who, who Helen Keller was, it seems like he lived it. Did I direct it? Maybe. But ask yourself <laughs> this. Did we all direct it? Once you see these night wolves up close in stock footage, you'll feel as if you were really there throughout every single last page ever taught to us in a history book. I, for one, loved it. Nay, I needed this film. Anyone who says they didn't like this film probably needs to get their bicycle seats adjusted by a professional at a bike shop. That's a very odd statement. Not just, <laughs> not just some hobbyist out in the garage. I'm talking about a real bicycle shop in a metropolitan area. They started reading that at the same time. I love, I love that review. This makes me want to watch. Yeah, the, the review's great. I uh, still have no intention of ever seeing that movie. What? What? Did you see FDR American Badass? I did not. Oh, it's, oh it's, it's, God! Awesome watch story. that, and then find out if you want to watch. Yeah, the, it's real. It's really hilarious. It's great. Is it? Yeah. It's so funny. It's just... Sorry, I was thinking of the one with um, the vampire hunter there. Oh yeah, no, that's yeah, awful. That's... We gave we gave it a good review. Yeah, we gave it a good review because we, we didn't know any better. <laughs> oh we no! Like, we have to be nice around each other. That was great. <laughs> Especially because the day leading up to that was really difficult. It was hot, and you twisted your ankle. We had to run around after buses, and all the bacon things were a failure, and all the other shit. I saw that <laughs> they had, had another one of those. 
<laughs> and I thought of you guys. Yeah, the one this summer I couldn't go to any because I, I was like dead. But the uh, it was um, it's like the showdown, and it was all fermented food. I thought that sounds so <laughs> gross. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound too like good, I don't want to just eat like a like like dozens of fermented food by like people that aren't even like trained uh, you know uh, chefs. Seriously, because the bacon stuff was clearly not professional. Yeah, that, for the most, I mean, some of them, I guess, probably had some experience, but it was not. Yeah, it was not good. No. Well, they they even they don't allow professionals there. Is the thing. So no. so I don't I don't know. That means sounds dangerous. Like I don't want to eat fermented stuff by just some the Yahoo. <laughs> Did you know Angus Grimm had a different name? He had a different born name. Yeah, he mentioned that in the in our interview actually. Did he? Yeah. I'm so forgetful. That's all right. His name is Lawrence. Oh, it was a super Irish middle name, Rory. Lawrence Rory Guy. That's hard to say. Yeah, Angus. Lawrence Rory Guy. Angus Grimm's cool. I wonder where he, where did he get that from? Did he tell us a story? Yeah, yeah. I forget. I don't remember now, but I remember he told the story about it. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to listen again. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Angus Scrim though, that's a pretty sweet name. It's an amazing name. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's good times. It's good times. There's a new Bigfoot uh, horror movie out, Hunting Grounds. Well, it comes out in February, I believe. That yeah. looks pretty crazy. It's good. It's pretty good. I, I like, like the it. crunchy sounds in the, uh, in the trailer. Uh-huh. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. I, I like oh, Bigfoot. Oh, you saw the movie itself? Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, I actually have Bill uh, Oberst on the show uh, talking about uh, hunting grounds. But uh, yeah, I dug, I dug it. It was good. It's not like you know, Grace but uh, the big, the big, uh, the big feet. Is that what you? <laughs> it's like a clan of Bigfoot. It's not just uh. one. So it gives a little different like take on them. And, it was a beautiful uh, area wherever they filmed. Yeah, they filmed. They actually filmed it in you know in the actual woods. So uh, that adds to it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dug it. I enjoyed it, and it's uh, you know all practical effects. So it's a uh, it's a big giant dude wearing a Bigfoot costume. It's always good. Or maybe several giant because there's like four of them. They rip a guy's arm off. That's pretty sweet. That sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. You want to see uh, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, just, you know, killing some people, and they deserve it because they just like invade their their territory. Yeah, screw that. It's not cool. No, can't be messing around in another person's space. Exactly. It's all willy nilly. You're on their turf, man. Right. Then you deserve an asshole. Ugh. That's a freaking Nick <laughs> Giovanni. Stop sending me messages on Facebook. Nick <laughs> Giovanni, where's why doesn't Vic call him? He's, he's having problems. He can't pick up the stream no matter what he does. He says he was on the phone during the interview, but then it cut off. Hmm. Oh, you know what? It's dead. What? What? Just now noticed. You gotta be shitting me. I don't know how long it's been off, but this was our best interview that no one. No, no, the interview, the interview. I know, I'm just playing interviews, and it's all been recorded. I thought it was playing fine. 
I looked at it earlier. But I could keep talking. It's going to be a... Uh... Are you going to, like, set it up? So... Yeah. It's coming up. It's, it's, uh... Should be back on right now. So, uh, yeah, give it probably, like, a minute and then uh, refresh the stream. Sorry about that. How many hours did we talk with no one listening? 56 minutes. Sweet. But you did have it recorded. Oh, yeah, it's all recorded. Where do we go from there? I don't, everybody out there, make sure you uh, check out the archive. <laughs> <laughs> withoutyourhead.com is where you can access all the awesomeness that is without your head. That's all the without your head interviews. The shows, you find out about the music we play every month. This month, we have a modica, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's it's something M-A-U-M-A-M-A-A. M-A-U-M-A-M-A-A. M-A-M-A-U-T-I-C-A. That is our music for the moment. Exactly. exactly. Uh, there's something I really wanted to bring up. Was, uh, I almost forgot. Uh, this movie called The Offer that's uh, being made. And it stars uh, several former guests here on the show. Uh, Simon Bamford. Really? Nicholas Vince. Uh-huh. And Barbie Wilde. Cool. What is the name of this thing? Uh, the Offer. The Offer. Is this a short or full length? What is it? I don't know. It, uh, I just, I just, it's, it's just a poster at the moment. Where are you? Where did you find that at? Uh, Barbie Wilde's page. Really cool. It's really nice, uh, you know, a painted poster, and it's uh, it's got the seven sins, and it looks it looks cool. Yeah, I don't know. If it's, uh, what, What's that? I think uh, I think Seth is like pressing buttons or something. I accidentally pressed the one. It scared the shit out of me. Jesus, never press the one. Mm-hmm. You're talking about which? Wait, which poster? The one that's got the the lineup of people? The offer, yeah, it's got all the people that it, then the guys throwing the cards, and each card has. Uh, it's definitely not what I'm looking at, but that's cool. I see it, and it, uh, yeah, doesn't doesn't say it's anything short. Start shooting in February, and a festival release in 2017, in August 2017. Pardon me. Yeah, it looks, it looks cool. And also says uh, Cenobite uh, Ken Cranum. Is that uh, who played uh, the the Doctor in Part 2? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure not. I don't remember that guy's name, but th- this is not ringing a bell. Pretty sweet. I see this poster now. Oh, it's all yeah, the Taro stuff. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but they're the seven deadly sins on the, uh, the tarot cards. Dead One mountain. guy looks like he would be the kid of Bill Murray and John Cleese. Do you see the guy? Uh huh. It's pretty. It's, I'm pretty spot on with that, right? I can see it. Totally. Dead Mouse Productions. Yes. It is the guy. You're so right. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, it's the doctor. No, well, I don't think he's done anything, as far as I know, in a long time. So. Huh. That's pretty cool to have them all involved in, in the movie. Yeah. It must be interesting for them. 
Yeah, everyone to get back together. It's like the I know that Simon and Barbie and Nicholas all are friendly through conventions, and I assume in life at least once in a while. But uh, yeah, that'll be really cool for them to actually have a, a project all together. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently he's been in a, a bazillion movies here. I'm looking now. He played the king in Maleficent. He did. Yeah, King Henry. I wanted to see that too. It's a really good movie. I like it a lot. Is it? Yep. I looked. It looks cool. I think it might be the only movie with whatever the hell her name is with the giant cheekbones that I've enjoyed. <laughs> Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> trying to yeah, think. No, I can't sure. think of movies of hers that I'm really, really into. I don't know. I don't know if I've. Maybe I've never seen another movie with her, to be completely honest. I don't think I've ever seen those uh, Tomb Raider ones. No, I haven't seen those. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I have. Yeah, that, that's a group of, that goes in the group of movies with the uh, Resident Evil. That I, I just why do these why do these have fan bases? Like who the hell wants? Because there are horny men out there. I know, but there's the internet. You can like just look up like porn. Oh. Yeah, but you can't see it on the big screen. They can't like go to a movie theater and look up and be like, "Oh yeah, I will never have that." Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think they're wearing Zubaz? They might well, that's be. probably, or they're like the guy that was in the Coolidge near me with his blanket. <laughs> I remember the time we went to see Maniac at the Coolidge, and it was funny for several reasons. First, there was this enormous line, and we were all excited, like, oh, man, there's people coming out to see Maniac. <laughs> and then we saw a guy dressed, which we thought of, Jay- like a weird Jason. We're like, like what? why are you here's Jason, yeah, but whatever? That's you're a in wrong, yeah, it's a wrong horror movie. What the hell? We're here to see, you know, what the, what the hell, you know? And then, uh, then I, so we're like, well, maybe we'll try to get interviews with these people about the, you know, going to see Maniac. So, like, Annabelle took, saved my space in line because I went all the way around the corner. I started walking out the camera, asking people, not one single person would, would talk to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just looked at me like I was like a nut. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what, what the big deal is. And we, we had interviewed now, other people. Now, was this the original Maniac or, or the, the, the new original, one? The original. Okay, yeah. sweet. Um, which I think we end up seeing both the maniacs there, but this was the original. And uh, so anyway, so uh, so I went back in line, and then eventually someone came out and like, if you're here to see Maniac, come on up, because this giant line was everyone just going to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) (laughs) Person with the mask was the person playing Casey Jones. Oh no. And then yeah. there was like eight of us who were going to see Maniac. And I was like, oh, <laughs> man. Someone was like a wicked creepy dude. Yeah, so we saw the void. Yeah, we saw him outside, <laughs> this creepy man, when we were eating, like, I think we had pizza. We had that shitty pizza. We had some shit. Yeah, that's right. No, that's when we pizza. got the food from the food truck. Oh, yeah, that was And it was awful. edible. Yeah, it was Oh, awful. Bad times. So yeah. there was like bones. <laughs> yeah. So so anyways, real creepy dude. I hope he's not listening. And then like and he just kept. Pop- and then so like so there's there was I'm not even joking. There's probably about eight of us in a big theater. And so Ambo and I go and sit. Uh, I think I don't know if we even got the front row this time because there might have been someone else. But either way, this guy instead of going down, I'm sitting on the left. Annabelle's on my right. And instead of 
just sitting, you know, at any, all these empty rows. He went around, walked around all around the rows anyway. Like circled us. Yeah, and then came all the way down our road to sit next to Annabelle of all the places. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Oh I mean, God. he wasn't like next to me, like no, in the but, seat next no, to me. No, but, but he still, was, was like he was yeah, there. Yeah, it's very weird. Of all but the I had like two hundred seats. The <laughs> yeah. Guys, got to be in the same row. Yeah, yeah. And he did circle. It was real uh, weird. And then we, um, then after the movie, we did like we took pictures because I think we went. I don't know. We, we were in there for a while after the movie's over. Mm-hmm. And then here, the guy was still out there. It was really weird. Like he was still <laughs> in the in the. Because everyone had left but us, I think, and he was still just hanging around. Did you guys ever see this guy again? I think at we, the theater. I think we, did we see him one other time? Probably at some other creep movie. Yeah, I think so. I think maybe like the Entity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so any creep movies? This guy's like a big fan. Yeah, yeah like us. <laughs> I mean, they're great movies. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> yeah, I this guy if... might have lived them though. Yeah, he might be telling his friends, oh, there's these two creepy people, this one. <laughs> yeah, we didn't circle Jack Scott. Know, we just, just went and took our seats. Oh, uh, I'll just tease him. But yeah. But the yeah, guy with blanket, creepy. though, was real, that was real weird. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's a new one. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I hope you never do. You no, don't see, don't. Um, <laughs> you don't want to go to some weird, crazy, pervy horror movie. <laughs> you know, that, it, it, it was just dark. He's dark. The guy's in the front, <laughs> all the way to the side, and then he pulls out his lap blanket and like pulls it up over his shoulders, and it's just covering his body. Oh it my was god! Cold in the theater. What's going on? Wear a coat. Christ! Don't bring a blanket to the movies. It's not. That's not okay. We do, and then have it so I can't see any of your appendages. Not that I want to see them, but. <laughs> You know, you just start to think you're seeing this movie where people are getting brutally like, like there's these shitty, crazy horror movies. There's always like these naked women and they're all getting like killed in these oddly sadomastic sexual ways. And it's it's awesome. Damn. I mean, I love the movies. Don't get me mm. wrong. But oh, this is peace. I don't like the idea of some dude sitting like six seats over from me, <laughs> whacking it under his blanket, watching it. <laughs> <laughs> That's having this image. That's guy- yeah, well, it's not a good not image. Good image. Would you like to no. see that guy? That's, well, the image is in your mind. That's a guy we need to interview. That's a I'd guy like we need to interview. Like roll to my side a little bit so I couldn't see him out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> that's, why, that's a guy we got to interview, though. Be like, that what, guy? Yeah, you what, him. what did you think of the movie? Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> I just imagine like you like look over and so every now and then it just like almost looks like he winces a little bit. <laughs> ah! The blankets bobbing up and down. Uh, I would hope they wouldn't make it that obvious. <laughs> and like what happens when you know the release comes? Do they wipe it up with the blanket? Well, it's yeah, the blanket. So it's- oh yeah, it's a multi-purpose exactly. thing. Exactly. Oh. Then you just wad up the blanket and you carry about your business. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just not want not. Yeah. It's like a giant hanky. Exactly. That would weird me out if I saw somebody with a blanket and then after a couple minutes they just wanted it up and I like, sat it next to them. <laughs> that would weird me out if I saw a man <laughs> ejaculated to a blanket in a movie theater. 
a Jackie Lankett. Blanket. Oh, oh, get Poe Peel on the yeah. line now. It's like, a, it's like a new Snuggie. Yep. Exactly. The tuggy. Like a pouch, a special like plastic lined pouch with like a little Ziploc thing. That's what you could do. You could have it so it accepts Ziplocs, <laughs> right? So that you could have like this pouch thing. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a uh, a pooper scooper for your dog. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be inside of like a little. Like a liner, you see, you'd have your blanket and then a little pouch in that, and you'd put like a plastic baggie would be able to be in it in a certain way to like you know do the yeah, thing. Yeah, then you can just throw it away. See, then it's uh, yeah, then it's just fine. Take out the plastic bag and you re- you could put another one in. Yeah, then it's then it's totally fine. Yeah, so instead of the snuggie, we have the tuggy. Mm-hmm. I, no, you just came up with that name spur of the moment. That was. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most perfect name ever. <laughs> like, oh, it could have like little pouches for hand wipes too. <laughs> All right, I want I want you guys to go on um, one of those Shark Tank or the Dragon <laughs> cabinet. Pitch this idea. Mm-hmm. Got ideas. Mm-hmm. <gasps> they already have a tuggy. It's totally different than what we were describing, though. Well, what's it for? Is it for the same? Like- it's like a cover for your PP. What? <laughs> I know. It's called the Tuggy. It says so with an I or a Y. What? Is it spelled with an I or a Y? I E. Uh, right, then you go with the Y on it. Yeah, exactly. Have people bought this? <laughs> I have a Snuggy brand hoodie. Oh God, you scared me for a second. It's it's like <laughs> a neck pillow with a built-in hood. It's pretty sweet. I actually originally bought it for Annabelle for Christmas, and then I just kept. And then you just didn't give it to me like a jerk. Oh. What the fuck? What? Type in Tuggy, and then like. <laughs> I'm afraid now. Just see a man on the beach, and it's just shocking. I didn't see that, but I went to the Amazon page for the Tuggy, and in the like suggested things below, there's a book that says images you should not masturbate to. And on the cover, it's like a naked man standing in like a, you know, like when people go ice fishing and it's like a frozen up river and there's just snow everywhere and they've got their little hole mm-hmm. to hang out by. Well, this man, this naked old man is in one of those ice holes oh, I see the, it. <laughs> the hatchet. And it's too far away. Like you can't see any like anything other than like the side of his body. It's just it's just really fucking weird. I'll I'll share it with you. You can see it like a piece of his ass. <laughs> this guy? Yeah. Really? So, I, mean, I don't know how zoomed in you've got this thing, but so, Seth, what's the strangest thing you've ever masturbated to? Hmm. Hey. I don't know. Uh, I had a dream uh, one time that I had sex with Dieter Laser and it was really gross. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We the top or the bottom? <laughs> I don't remember. I just know it was weird. I woke up and I was like, "Ugh." <laughs> he was feeding you. Exactly. And just googled Seth Heiss. Yeah. Oh, Let's see. The the like this. Well, uh, first things like uh, some type of mu- uh, something he did the music for. But the second picture, I'm proud. It's a it's a without your head badge. <laughs> Really? Yep. Is it the one you made of him all like, oh, 
Oh god, no, no. that would be sweet. That's so funny. <laughs> Nobody knows that. I should post. Oh my that. god, there's a there's a picture of the void, and I don't know how these people got it. Yeah, I see that too. Uh, that's weird. It's a good mm. picture though. Apparently, I'm listed as a composer on something that cool. fucking give me the me <laughs> gave me the cut of the film for. I don't know. It sounds like you're making it into the big time. Yeah, yeah apparently. Pumpkin Hollow. It's that guy I've been ranting about to you. Uh, it says I'm an actor. Oh, that's someone else's. Okay, I got really... I was like, what? Is your name really that rare that you just pop up, like, immediately? Yeah. Wow. How many heists have you met? Um, You. Is it a real name, or did you make it up? I made it up. What's your real name? I can't tell you. He's in the witness protection, so don't ask. I saw Tom Holland wants to do a Friday Night 3 as a novel and uh, hopefully as a film. What is it? Uh, Fright Night 3. Friday Night. Oh, sorry. Fright Night 3. I'm a huge fan of Fright Night. The, the second one's pretty pretty poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second one kind of bites. Yeah. I'm in the minority. I think Troy is too. I actually thought the remake was pretty good. I don't think it's nearly as good as Fright Night, but I think it's a good movie. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, A lot of people hate it, but uh, I thought it was good. Sometimes people just hate anything that's a remake. Oh, yeah. 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 They just I may have been it. guilty of that on occasion myself, though. Sure. Just hating it to hate it, or you hated it for like a legit reason? No, I mean just hating it right off the bat, just Uh-oh. having like a grudge against it for no particular reason. Well, just I guess if it's something you really like to begin with and you hear about the remaking, it's kind of like, well, why? Yeah. Why? So. Yeah. That's true. I think I, I always kind of have my fists up when I go to see a remake, but sometimes, sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. And I'm definitely not above admitting if I did like something. That's You're a good man. I went to uh, the package store today, but I did not see any new um, of the Lovecraft beers. They might have uh, finally... Uh, wow, what yeah, it's been a while since I've seen them, too. Those first came out like two fucking years ago. Yeah, but <laughs> they just had a new one out not too long ago. They, they, uh, all the ones we had were very terrible. Oh, yeah. I don't expect it to be any different in the future. No, I can't imagine it would. The future, Conan? Exactly. So we got a lot of cool people coming up on the show. Such as? Let me uh, get the list here. But, uh, well, Michael. I mean, Seth is here. What else do you need? Yeah, that's exactly. true. You don't get much cooler than that. Man, we're really setting the bar low. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Seth. Okay, sure. Let's see here. Well, uh, Michael Epstein and uh, Sophia Caccioli will be on the show. That's awesome. I have some questions for them. Yeah, we're talking about the blood of the Tribbids and all about a bunch of other stuff, too. That's going to be good times. That'll be uh, February 9th, I believe. Uh, Sean Whalen will be on the show. That will probably be uh, February 
second. Sean Whalen of what? Of what? Sean Whalen. Uh, he's actually in a new Axe Murderer movie. Looks pretty sweet. That's cool. Um, he's also got a new movie out. Uh, it's coming up. It might be out now. Uh, Ugly Sweater Party. It's a Christmas horror film, and people will know him from The People Under the Stairs. Mm-hmm. He's the creep under the stairs. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's cool. I like that guy. Um, I don't know. There'll be other people on the show, so uh, stay tuned. See, Oh, oh, I know. Richard oh, Stanley's going to be on the show. Yeah. We're looking forward to this. It's going to be awesome. Uh, he's the director of Hardware, uh, early 90s uh, sci-fi horror movie. And uh, he was uh, the, the man who was going to direct the um, Island of Dr. Moreau with um, with the Godfather in it there. With Brando? Uh, with Brando. And uh, uh, things went bad. And then there's a fantastic documentary about everything that happened. And uh, you, if you watch that, have you seen the documentary, Annabelle? Lost Soul? I have not. Oh, you you feel so bad for him because this is his dream project, and you know it's everything's going great for him, and then it just all all crumbles. And it's really because uh, like the stars just ruined the movie for him. Why? Brando doesn't have a really good reputation. Yeah, it's uh, it's him and um, who's the other guy in Detroit? Oh, the guy from the Doors. Jim Morrison. Um, no, well, the guy he plays, plays Jim, Jim Morrison. Morrison. Phoenix? He was in Willow. Uh, what the hell is um, Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's got some douchey name. What is it? Yeah, he's just a tall asshole. Just seems that when <laughs> but, he uh, seems like an asshole even in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, played Batman. He's like the oh, forgotten. Yeah. He's like the Val forgotten Kilmer. Yeah, That's Val it. Kilmer. Val fucking Kilmer. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, well, it's not, It's funny in a way, but sad in a way because they're making it and like uh, the the female star in it, who was his uh, girlfriend, uh, Richard Stanley. Uh, she's like, um, she talks about this. Uh, she goes to Brando and is like asking about like the motivation of the characters and all these things. And Brando just like looks at her and he's like, "It doesn't matter. This movie shit. No one cares." <laughs> <laughs> That's just great, though. Just imagine a brand of going, baby, this movie shit. Nobody's, nobody cares. Just <laughs> fuck this movie. He's just like, you look beautiful. And just like, he just totally blows her off and tells her not to give a shit. But, <laughs> and so, like, you, he, uh, so Richard Stanley eventually just gets kicked off the movie. And uh, this is all in the documentary. And they get like, way more into detail. And, like, he really kind of, like, loses his mind. And then he stays on the, uh, he stays in Australia. And, he ends up like sneaking on set and just like getting into make into different make makeup instead of staying like around the movie. Wow! And, like staying up in trees. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so he's like undercover on his own movie. Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Uh, just a great dog. We're gonna talk to this guy. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, he's the man, and so now yeah, that's gonna be awesome. He like now he currently like lives in like an abandoned castle. Did dude, this guy rules. I Is he know. married? Nope, I, don't I don't even know what he looks like. He sounds amazing. He sounds like a crazy bastard. He is. He is. And he's going to do the interview from, from his uh, the castle. His lair? Yes. 
fucking cool. This guy's rules. Who is what, what, I? I I'm excited about this. Yeah. Oh yeah, Richard Stanley. So, yeah. Great. So uh, that's gonna happen. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Apparently, he's writing us a, a new script right now. Hmm. Oh no, kidding! Mm-hmm. In his uh, in his castle. Is a, is a, so it's gonna be awesome. I say it's his castle. I don't know if it's his castle, but he lives there. He's the man. Well, until now, you vowed at him. Now, if someone's going to kick him out of that castle. Seriously. But yeah, it's, it's a fantastic documentary. Uh, this one I'm really looking forward to. What's the name of it again? Uh, Lost Soul. It's on. It's streaming on Netflix. Oh. I watched it when I was in the hospital the second time. It's got a great, uh, like, Movie cover too, you know. Oh like yeah, oh yeah. Well, arts, yeah, awesome. and actually, um, Graham Humphreys is in the documentary because he did, huh. he did a lot of the like desi- designs of the monsters and stuff. Oh wow! Yeah, and he does the I think he does a cover out of the. Of the... Oh, does he? Because yeah. I thought it was Rich Corbin. It looked a lot like uh, Richard Corbin. He does something for it anyway. Oh, maybe he does. He he may may do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we'll have uh, Victor Bonacor on the show. That'll be uh, the last uh, episode of the... Uh, yeah, that'll be on the 26th. And he did uh, another great documentary, um, Diary of a Deadbeat. Um, so anyone who's into uh, you know, exploitation films, which I believe it's most people listen to the, to the show... Uh, let me get that. What are you trying to say about our audience? Uh, well, I mean, what the hell? They like, ex- I mean, everyone does. Uh, he does a documentary about uh, Jim Van Be- uh, Beber, who I actually wasn't familiar with. I, I feel bad to say that, but uh, it's a great documentary. This guy uh, made a bunch of, uh, well, not a bunch, he only made two full length uh, films, and both of them are like really infamous, of like just really bloody, you know, crazy uh, horror movies. One's about Manson. And that hmm. one took him like 15 years to make, and then he did some several shorts, and so he follows this guy around at conventions, and um, just a, it's a really great documentary. So uh, I'm looking forward to this interview too. And also, this guy, um, oddly enough, you brought him up earlier, um, uh, Sexcrement. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he directed um, videos for them. Oh no! Shit. Yeah. Cool. So it's all a little connection there. It's pretty cool. Very cool. So yeah, a lot of cool guests uh, coming up on the show. Good times. All right. Always and, good. Yes, yes. So uh, listen Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. You call in and chat with us over on the Facebook page. Uh, when Stevie E's do a tall man impersonation. Exactly. So we're gonna. I'm gonna promote that all week here, and we're gonna. And maybe you guys, if you can't call live during the show, you can call during the week and leave a voicemail of your. Uh, Tall man impression and when you sell some DVDs. But we are going to give uh, uh, some DVDs tonight. So, does anyone have like a 10 sided die? No, uh, I might right here. I probably need like 20 actually. You have a 20 sided die. I have a 16 sided die. Which really? I never knew existed. Actually, I think that will work. Roll a 16-sided die and give me the number. All right. Green or blue? Green. All right. Here we go. Mean old number nine. 
That is uh, Jesse James Calher. Oh, what do you get? He uh, won the DVDs for the night. Oh, sweet. Nice. Congratulations, sir. Awesome. Just the one, or should I do it again? Uh, it's up to you guys. We should we should really push for these uh, impersonations. Yeah, and all right. So okay. I think, I think I the one tonight, and then we'll yeah we'll do the imp- the, imp- the impressions. I like this. There's oh, a man yeah. on right now that could do an impression if he so desired. Mm, if he had <laughs> any balls. Oh, <laughs> I have no balls. <laughs> if you had any intestinal fortitude. Are gonads male and female? See, yeah, my anatomy lessons are falling short right now. He's got any guts? I don't have any guts. Oh, everybody's if got you gonads. Weren't guts All right. and boneless. If you, if you had a spine, I don't have a spine. You have gonads. We all do. Jellyfish. He wasn't a big puss. Meow. <laughs> he wasn't a bum. Or a stinky fart. Or a poo-poo. If he wasn't a poopy fart. A turkey. Poop pants. If he wasn't a jive turkey. Aren't you glad? Seth really doesn't like the, like, poop things for some reason. Aren't you glad you called in? (laughs) You hang up? No. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever even seen Phantasm? He hasn't, you know. He never saw a freaking Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, but we've given him all, like, the good tall man lines. I know, it was really all two right, things. so Seth, this is what you do, all right, Seth? We're giving you homework. Go <laughs> go home, go watch Phantasm. Next week, call in and give us a, a tall man impression. That'd be easy. I might. Do it! Do it, boy. God. Then you can win. You can win DVDs or even friggin' Google, because here you go, Seth. This will give you the motivation. Google, even friggin' Nate. Google the tall man. <laughs> watch, just watch that. Do an impression, and then if you do it well, you're gonna win Phantasm remastered. Then you'll be able to watch the whole movie. And the new one, which really is just yeah. amazing. Yeah, and Ravager. Yeah. Scale of 1 to 30, how amazing. I really liked it quite a lot. So, I think I'd have to watch it again to give it a final a final go. But I'm going to say 25. I really liked it. I liked it a lot, too. All right, Seth. What are your favorite horror movies, by the way, Seth? Halloween. The Shining. And- Halloween. The original. Okay. Halloween, The Shining, there was one more, but I don't remember. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> oh. I thought I thought your favorite movie was like, I know what you did last summer, part six or something. Part six. <laughs> no, I just think the guy is attractive in that movie. Oh, I see. And then that's it. Nothing else in the movie is good, but... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant no other movies. Like, screw it. No other movies I want to watch. You gotta find my hook. Like, I have a big rusty hook that Annabelle gave me. Oh, I do too. Really? Yeah. She didn't give it to me. Oh, well, I, was, I was like, "Hey, what?" She does have like a a stash, <laughs> a stash of like all these. <laughs> like I don't feel special anymore getting the rusty hook. Just giving everybody. I was gonna say I felt unloved because <laughs> I didn't get a rusty hook. I don't know what happened to it. 
How can I lose a big giant rusty hook? I think we lost Annabelle too. Uh oh. Oh, okay. I'm here. I'm hanging on. What's going on with this hook? Do you th- do you think the Mandela effect has anything to do with Phantasm? <laughs> Seth's the expert on that. I don't know. I just want to keep rolling my sixteen sided die. What is, what point is a sixteen sided die? Like what uh, the sixteen players on a on a Blood Bowl team. Oh. And if you've got to pick a random player. So they've kind of combined two eight-sided dice uh, together and made a sixteen. <laughs> I remember they made the thirty-sided die, and it was—I like, didn't like it. It was totally pointless. And then they made the thirty-sided gaming tape, uh, gaming tape uh, book. Remember? Yep. And it was just like a bunch of—it's uh, just a bunch of like uh, just random tables that were really stupid, but it did. <laughs> But it, it was fun just to roll on them. Yeah, you just roll. You'd never <laughs> use it in a game. You just roll and. I wonder if I have that around sometimes. things. That would be fun to look at. Was that like a Steve Jackson thing? Did he make I the thirty-sided thing? I always really enjoyed making characters in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, just because there were so much, so many random tables to roll on. Oh yeah. The game yeah. itself wasn't very good. What? You don't like Palladium? Mm, I didn't like that. I remember the, the the combat system was very odd in that one. But I love the uh the I love to make the characters in it. I love to draw those characters. I'd make characters just so I could draw them. <laughs> I always did that. Yeah, too. we we would sit sweet. we would sit around and make random champions villains, which is a is a, a a a um superhero game and then Troy would draw them. We would do that for hours. That was fun. Oh, yeah. I was like in the WWF wrestling game, too. Yeah, I, I scanned some of those because I found them not too long ago. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a good game, though, the WWF role-playing game. Really? What system was it? Was it a, like an existing system? No, was, I think it was its own. Yeah, the, the company went out of business like not long after they put that out, and then they had <laughs> they had planned uh, like uh, you know um, like expansions for it, but they just never came out. I'm surprised they never tried to bring it back. Yeah, well, they made it during a, a down period of WWF because it was '94, the year graduated, and that's like a real down period for the WWF. So they were probably looking for. Anything that would like pay him some money to use a WWF name, but now like I don't know if they you'd probably have to pay they him, pick and choose. You'd probably have to pay him a fortune to, to use the name. Well, it's kind of like the NFL too. Now but re- uh, really the football to license is tough to get now. Yeah, the game really had nothing to do with the WWF just because it's wrestling. You just made up your own characters and then you wrestled, and then like you know the DM was. In charge of storylines in the wrestling and book the matches. It was a very good game because uh, the wrestling part of it was well done. And then it was, you know, wrestling really does, like, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, like, uh, it goes well with the role-playing game system. Because you can make all these different storylines and build feuds. It was good times. Should I eat jelly babies that expired in 2003? Yes. Wow, 2003. No. That sounds delicious. Just do you know what Jelly Baby is? Yeah. Is that how you eat? 
Do you know well, Angelica? I, I just remember it from, uh, you know, from Doctor Who. That's why I have them. Hell yeah. But uh, I guess they're old. Just Is there anything that could go bad in them? Probably. I don't know. It says it expires, so there's got to be something Yeah, bad. but they even say that with, like, if you get a bottled water, it has an expiration date. It just says, I almost water. feel like I'd be opening an artifact, like I shouldn't destroy it. That's true. If you if you haven't opened it this long, keep it. No, this, this is just my decorative jelly babies because I love Doctor Who so much. Oh yeah. Well, then just keep them. Yeah, I'm just really craving something sweet. You could probably find some other expired candy somewhere. No, it's the only expired candy I've got. I don't just have expired candy for the hell of it. It's because it's jelly babies. <laughs> I thought maybe you collected it. No, just the bag of jelly babies. I wonder if people do that, collect foods that are old. I wondered that once because, like, they make, like, like limited edition Hot Pockets. <laughs> it's like... Ew. It's like, well, what does that mean, limited editions? It's like... It means eat it as much as you can now because it'll be gone. It's like... And then I, I've even seen stuff that said, like, collector edition, like, food. It's like, what the what? hell? Of a Hot Pocket? Well, not a Hot Pocket. I've seen limited edition Hot Pockets. Then I just assume someone just has, like, a, a big freezer and they, like, collect all the limited edition Hot Pockets. Like, <laughs> well, they might. Because, I mean, there's some crazy bastard that's got, like, all the world supply of fizzies. The hell? He bought Those like cases, things? yeah, the ones you throw in water and they turn them into, then they cause cancer and stuff. What? Well, that's why they took them off the shelves when we were kids. Well, oh. when I was Isn't a kid. Isn't that the thing? It's like almost like a Tootsie Roll pop candy, and inside. Oh, I think that's a different one, but okay. it might be might have been made by the same people. These these were like they looked like Alka Seltzer, huh. and you'd no plop a couple into like a you know into a water. Yeah, and it would turn it root beer or grape or whatever oh, you want. Oh, wow, that's cool. Except they were great, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they brought them back. Um, I'm thinking probably 15 years ago. Did they and bring them back with the cancer? No, no, they had a different sweetener now, so that <laughs> it was safe to to use. And they <laughs> sold them at like Toys R Us and stuff. And then uh, I think all the shipments that were left, all like. They had like a big warehouse of them, and some rich old guy bought them all. Weird. Yeah. Well, I guess you know if you get like Howard Hughes kind of money, and you can just you know hire people to just make food that you like. That'd be pretty sweet to be so rich you could just do random shit. Like I'm going to buy. I don't know, like every fucking black jelly bean in this factory. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, I'd do that. If I Except had like, like wealth black. beyond, you know, beyond belief, that's what I would do. Any licorice like gumdrop or something like that. I must have been channeling you just now because I don't really like licorice. So I will give you if I make it first. All right. In the wealth world, then I will give you all of all of the licorice jelly beans. You hook like me up with that. I will. And yellow zonkers. Find me screaming yellow zonkers. Zonkers sounds familiar, but I don't. Wait, they were a popcorn, um, you know, kind of like Cracker Jacks, only they were good. <laughs> <laughs> they would come in a tin, and they had this, like, yellow glaze, and they were hmm. the best, like, candied popcorn I've ever had. I don't know if I've ever had that. 
Screaming Yellow Zonkers. I see right now uh, Wikipedia Screaming Yellow Zonkers. They were the, huh. the best, like, candy candy popcorn treat ever. And then they went away. Oh, I see. So they developed similar products like Fiddle Faddle and Poppycock, which I have had. <laughs> yeah, Fiddle Faddle's not bad, but it's not Screaming Yellow Zonkers. Wow. They didn't have any nuts in them or anything, just popcorn. Oh, wait. Oh, no. It says as of 2012... Yeah, they came back for a minute. Limited edition at Walgreens, but that was in 2012. I was all excited when they came back, but they didn't last long. That's too bad. It's got a great name. Yeah. They were the balls, though, because they had like a thick, like, almost buttery toffee glaze. That sounds very nice. They were beautiful. We need... To, have you guys played Cards Against Humanity? Because I haven't. Yes. I've never played it. So, you know. Alright. Isn't it full of like all kinds of weird-ass questions people have to answer? Yeah. Alright. This is what we need for the show. Weird-ass questions. Can you think of any of them, Seth? Uh, have you ever... Fuck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hmm. Not to put you on the spot or anything like that. I'm trying to think. I'll type in weirdest questions you can ask. Maybe there's an online version. If anyone has it, uh, that's going to be a Texas. Uh, bring it along. Yeah, we might not play with you, but we'll borrow your game. <laughs> I'll, boy, I'll bring it. I almost said blank. I'll bring it. Oh, you have it? You have it? Yeah. If you have it, just go get a fucking card. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it's at. Oh. I'm posting some uh, character sheets <laughs> of uh, wrestlers of the from the WWF wrestling game. I'm going to take your laugh did game. not this, coincide with Neil's uh, comment. This has nothing to do with Cards Against Humanity. This isn't what I expected, but it says, what is the phobia of chainsaws called? <laughs> and underneath it, it says common sense. Uh, oh, I like that. That's pretty so cool. that's pretty much how the game is? No. It's really dirty. I know one of the answers that I got last time I played was like Big Black Cock. What? <laughs> yeah. It's really dirty. So <laughs> Yeah, but I didn't realize it was dirty until I was playing and all of a sudden I get this card that says Big Black Dick or something. Yeah, but you could get that on like, you know Like Monopoly. Yeah. What? <laughs> the new updated version. But <laughs> I was go thinking direct, of uh, Mad go, Libs. But, go directly you know. to BBC. You know, it kind, it kind of works like Mad Libs. Like they like have some kind of question, and then you give whatever answer you think is the funniest. Oh, because I, I see. All right, so there is an online one, and so the black card at the top says it's kind of like Mad Libs. You know, once you get past blank, blank ain't so bad. And then there's a bunch of white cards below. One says exploding pigeons. <laughs> One says grunting for 10 minutes and then peeing sand. Yeah, I know one of them. It was like, uh, Weird. it was like talking about sex. It was like no clothes on penis and vagina. I don't know about this game. It's very random. 
that cracks me up. Do you have to like be super high for this or something? No. Oh no! I don't know. It's just very strange to me. Do you have to be like insane? Everything's better when you're insane. So I posted a bunch of uh, old scanned character sheets from the WWF wrestling game from different uh, characters that we had played. That was a fun game. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, it was good. It's a good game. Good times. Alright. I think this has been good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, great interview. It was. It was a great interview. Yeah, I don't know about the rest. No, but... no, nah, nah, I'm just kidding. I had a good time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we talked about horror too much, but what the hell? People just want to hear some some uh, banter, <laughs> some messing around. It's good times. Uh, tomorrow's Friday. Well, right now is Friday the 13th. So, um, if you want to listen to the same channel you're listening to right now, the TuneIn streaming, um, there's going to be a bunch of stuff streaming uh, throughout Friday the 13th. Um, there's going to be a Chatter with Nick Vince. There's oh, gonna great. There's going to be uh, the Gorecast, and there's actually going to be a couple uh, new interviews. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There will be uh, Mr. Oberst. From the uh, from the big wolf, the uh, Bigfoot movie that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. that will be up, and also the cast and crew of the Bornless Ones, Ooh. which is a very cool movie, by the way. That's another. Uh, it's a, it's uh, definitely heavily heavily influenced. I can't you know I can't not say this. It's very heavily inf- influenced by the Evil Dead. Yeah, uh, even the 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 um uh the demons like they even have the same voice like the they really do in the Evil Dead. But there are but you know uh, there's really cool gore effects in the movie, and also there's an original. Uh, it's actually very dark too. Um, you think maybe it's like a lot of young adults, like it'd be kind of like your typical uh, slash or whatever. But uh, yeah, there's some really dark stuff in the movie, and um. There's a couple of really original things because there's uh this is no uh, not really giving much away because it's in the trailer. Uh, there's a kid with a uh, with a cerebral palsy in the movie, and that's like how the demons you know get involved is like they uh, they tempt him to to make him you know uh, to heal him uh, you know if they like kind of basically let let them uh, take over his body and. And, uh, you know, come into the real world. And I thought that was a really cool element of the movie because it was like a believable temptation. Sometimes, you know, someone sells their soul to the devil or demons or whatever. And it's like, well, why the hell did they do that? But, you know, this time it actually is something that uh, that makes sense. Hmm. That's cool. Interesting. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was uh, their first movie. And the title of this again is? Uh, the Bornless Ones, which I think is a really interesting title, too. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there'll be uh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, there'll be, like, a, a whole list up of what, what we'll be playing uh, sometime tomorrow and uh, maybe around 5 or so till midnight uh, on uh, on Friday the 13th. There'll be uh, some audio to uh, to listen to. Cool. 
and enjoy yourself. Sounds great. Yeah. So I had a good time here. I had a good time, too. Excellent. As did I. Yeah, Troy, you stayed up late. I did. Thanks. You're a I good made man. It. Yeah. I see Dave Sullivan asking if anyone won the Tall Man Contest, yet they did not, Dave Sullivan. So uh, call in any time and leave yourself a voice message, and we'll uh, hopefully have Is he there right now? Yeah, or you can call in right now. So we'll call right now. If he calls within the what, like five minutes? Yeah. Give him five minutes here. Just Kevin five Sullivan. minutes. And if you can't make it by the five minutes, then just uh, leave a message. Or call back next time. When is this over? Is it next time? Should we give everybody a chance to call in for the next show and be at the end of the next show? Yeah, that'd be cool. People can call in live if they yeah, feel like it. it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, That's not geez. Evad Sullivan, is it? <laughs> no, no. Dave uh, Sullivan's called in uh, a few, t- a couple times on the show, and uh, okay. he, he uh, makes movies with Paul McElarney. Yeah. Nice. He also makes his own movies. He makes... Um, no, it's exploitation films. Uh, Slate of Hand. This mm. is a production company. Alright, so this is Nasty Neil. That wasn't five minutes. No, it was not five minutes. <laughs> He's also a former strongman. He used to do strongman uh, competitions. What? No kidding. Dave Sullivan. And oh, now, shit. Now he teaches, uh, I think he teaches Taekwondo. Oh, that's cool. Sports. I feel like a loser saying that I did Taekwondo because I was in it for such a short amount of time. I wouldn't I wouldn't stand a chance. He'd destroy me. Hmm. See, when someone could really beat the hell out of me, I'll admit it. He'd destroy me. Troy took uh, karate for a while, I remember. I did. I really? How long did you do that? Uh, just a couple years. What belt did you get? Uh, not many. I think I, think I was a yellow belt. Yeah, it's beyond a white. <clears throat> I'm a trained ninja. Yeah, okay. Well, parallel reality you win right now. Blah, blah, blah. Black belt in ninjutsu. No. You kill a man. Try. No. <laughs> I choose not to do so because it's like. Ah, fuck it. Call in next time, Dave. <laughs> Five minutes is killing me. I'm ready for a nap. Alright, so this is Nasty Neil. This is Annabelle Lecter. This is Terrible Troy. This is Sucky Seth. (laughs) (laughs) Little Sucky Sucky. Sucky Sucky to Bucky. Is this an advertisement for Seth right now? Do you want to leave, like, your contact information? Sure. (laughs) Wait, I was, like, I was dozed off. I Say with some enthusiasm. You should. You should give your... So if anybody wants to become friends with you, they can. Fuck yeah. Just, you know, send me a Facebook message. Spell your name. He doesn't know how. No, he's... He know how to find you. I forgot how to spell it. Let them do the hard work. Yeah. Man. How about horrible heists? No. Seth, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, you too. I said that so convincingly, I know. I did. You did. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> all right, so that that's our that's our show. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're probably going to do some uh, napkinimation soon. Yeah, hopefully. So uh, that'll be good times. All right, so now this is the point in the show where we all laugh. 
Ha, 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 ha,